Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It's the 2nd of May, 2023, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 563. The countdown has begun. I am your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Uh, happy day after May Day, everyone. Patrick Klapek. You are jaunting through this intro. <laughs> and Renata Price. Ugh, it's me, Zombie Ren. <laughs> can I? Um, a zombie can run I, for Zombie Waypoint. Zombie Waypoint, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The undead shuffling along. <laughs> can I? Can I share something that I, I just got moments ago? Um, mm. I was uh, was texted by my wife, love her dearly, and it was like, uh, it was like, His do you want to join this this note list? And I was like, so like to do, and we've been talking about some work stuff, like what are options for me, like given everything that's happened. I thought like, man, she is a she's the kind of person that when we talk about something that's coming up calendar invite immediately, like just <laughs> extremely organized, put together. And I was like, Oh, like me, she must've jotted down some of those like things. Perfect mate for you. Really? Like two, just absolutely. Like just, t- let's just take the bull by the horns. Let's yeah, type yeah, in the shit. Out absolutely. And so I, I, I just, I just clicked on it and was like, do you want to collaborate on this list? I was like, do, cause I think this is about my future. Patrick's to do list, put training wheels on the mini bike for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Fix closet door downstairs. Screens on the windows, especially the living room window. My wife has looked yeah, at the screens on, my yeah. job prospects and said, yep. "Look, <laughs> motherfucker, this man there's some work. house stuff that's gonna get done. This has got nothing to do with you calling up some recruiter." <laughs> yeah, it's like we you need to find a new gig because you are going to get like it, it is going to be keenly appreciated. Does does your wife work hard? Does she work hard at her job? absolutely <laughs> yeah like she so she's definitely not gonna like she's not gonna stand for coming home and it's no. like what about all the house shit that has to get done no 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 there's gonna be a redistribution you can't, you can't now, watch evil dead again patrick like you got one you got two days of sad horror movie watching and now that screen that those with those screens there's a there's a giant hole in it figure it out look up a youtube video screens, uh, okay so screen, i didn't like like yeah. like door size screens no, like no, the okay. like the screens on a on just a just window. a window, like, a regular window. Yeah, I've yeah they're not those hard. Out. I've yeah. I have watched a YouTube video on how to do them. It's you gotta just, get some spline. I had to change all of my fucking screens because I got a cat, and she was just fucking ripping through them. Oh, so um, you've done it before? Yeah, yeah. And okay, all it's right, not, I might be reaching out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty simple. It's mostly like a brute force sort of thing where you're just like pushing whoa, whoa, some rubber whoa, whoa. into things. No, let's not say things that aren't true. It depends. <laughs> it depends heavily on the window because I also looked into this. It depends heavily on the window. It depends ah. heavily on the kind of screen. 
uh, like there are there are multiple types of screen and not all of them are compatible. You might have weirdly sized windows. You could be fucked. You have no idea. <laughs> Does it, but you have screen already is the thing. You're mm-hmm. just replacing the mm-hmm. screen that's already on the mm-hmm. frame. So taking mm-hmm. like a currently you put, like, existing, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You just gotta get the you just mesh gotta correctly size the mesh, and then I would suggest depending on how old the 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 spline is. Uh, getting new spline. I tried to reuse yeah, I spline. spline. I cheaped is. out on the spline. You can't cheap out on the spline. What? Don't spline? we articulate that? We were yeah, tic- splines, yeah, splines get reticulated. The spline. They're it's all. They're also part of uh, a lot of Destiny guns. Have splines yeah, they, on them. Absolutely. Um, that's where that's where the bullet eggs live. Is yeah. is in the splines. In the splines. Spline, yeah. a design tool for three D web browser experiences. What does no. that have to do with my windows? <laughs> so it's like this little rubber. Just like found a it. A spline is a ridge or a tooth on a drive shaft. No. <laughs> God damn it. No. How many people how many times have people used the word spline to mean something else? A flexible strip of metal or other material there that may go. be bent into a curve or used in a similar manner as to a ruler to draw smooth curves. Okay, so basically it's like a... It's a rubber... Is that, is that what's keeping the like yes. the screen part in? Okay. Basically all a, a, a screen thing is like, it's a frame where you put some mesh over the frame and then there's like a little channel that runs all the way around the edge of that mm-hmm. frame and you push a little rubber spline that like just by like tension holds the thing into the little channel all the way around the edge. Okay. Now, if you have old spline though and you try to reuse it, you're going to spend like like I did many hours just like no, these trying are, to these cram are, it back on. in there because it just like loses its shape. It. it doesn't really you should get a new spline it'll go it'll go in like in 2 seconds. It's an easy job. Yeah, see, I think I think we got a business idea here. Like, y- y'all could be the gamers' nexus of like around the house tasks <laughs> from here, where it's like, like, hey, gang, like, say we're looking at the absolute best gaskets to stop leaky faucets. I've had this thing running at like 200 psi for about 12 hours, and let me show you what's going on down here. It'd be awesome. The real trick. Or- the real trick. Don't cheap out. Don't cheap out on your fucking uh, plumbing tape. Don't cheap out on that shit. That shit is gonna be the real the real point of of issues often right around those those threads. You know, you know how uh, <laughs> like rich widows will sometimes like hire a, like a twenty three year old boy to like do their pool work. We're getting we're getting towards that, but with gamers. Like, do you want to hire a gamer to do your housework? <laughs> yeah, rich widows hiring a twenty three year old boy to do their pool work. Uh, uh, <laughs> do they actually do pool work? Because <laughs> no. I have I've Fuck seen no. conflicting things God, about how no. this relationship works. <laughs> all right, uh, gang. Listen, hire uh, a gamer to fix your house. That's all I'm saying. I've been prepped for this <laughs> podcast. I've played nothing. I've been super busy. But you know what? We got a deep question bucket. We got to get through. So let's go through. We got five, six years of emails. Oh uh, so let's just dig in. Hi everyone. I'm very happy to hear Rob is starting we to question the Jedi first filter lifestyle. I would personally played. recommend what I did and install a single stage inline carbon filter with a dedicated <laughs> faucet. Now remember what Kata just told you: don't cheap out on that plumber's tape. Brita filters use activated charcoal as their primary filter medium. This is ideal for low contamination removal and the reduction of odors. Where I'm at, the tap water is fine, but I'm sensitive to the scent of chlorine. So I went to the effort of installing an inline filter when we upgraded our faucet. 
since we got a new faucet with a built-in sprayer hose, we had a leftover hose port, which made it super easy to attach the secondary faucet. The filter is fed by split by a splitting coupler from the cold water line, so we can still rinse things off without overstressing the filter. Hmm. The large carbon filter lasts for six months, depending on how you use them. And you can get a year's supply for about $20. They've got two port faucet things now. Six, Dual ports. I, six months. I feel like I've, I, my, the, the filters we used to have at the dark rooms at my old college would last us like easily a, a year. We had, we had to trip them out. And that was like important. You couldn't have like particulate in the things that you were going to like develop your film in. You got to get better filters. <laughs> and this is this is preferable because here's the alternative. Reverse osmosis filters are generally much more expensive, require uh, electricity to run pumps, have some wastewater to flush away the filtered material, and require a buffer tank because the process is much slower. Right. Your no, sink, your your drinking water would need a buffer. A buffer. You'd be sitting there being <laughs> like, I am thirsty, and you'd be waiting for the buffer to fill. <laughs> it is possible to use up the tank and have to wait several hours for it to fill up. There several are multi-stage hours. filter setups that claim to be uh, RO, but they are not. They are not what you are looking at in terms of water treatment. You gotta go in, in, line, in line all the way. Literally push water through a membrane that is fine enough to allow water through, but blocks larger minerals. You get more pure and neutral water, but at a higher cost, both in terms of time and money. But, but think about Thanks, how crisp Charles. it is. But think about Just, how crisp that water must be, Rob. I'll bet it's delicious. <laughs> delicious. Charles sent three, three YouTube links about it. And that's just one. That's us closing the book on, on the water chapter of, of Waypoint. But hang on. Uh, Patrick, you know, occasionally news happens. Did anything interesting happen last week? Uh, yeah, there was uh, uh, an additional. I, I don't I don't know. Um, but we're just Brent just. He's having a moment. Like we'll just we all have to be there for our yeah. friends yeah, and colleagues true, when they're true. going through a thing. And Rob is, and so just yeah. deep yeah. breath. I'm going to pivot true. to this news story, and we'll just we'll just see where the podcast takes us from here. Um. Yeah. Uh. But yes, uh, late last uh, uh, week, uh, the we were, we were waiting on a series of regulators to weigh in on Microsoft's uh, proposal to acquire Activision Blizzard. I think the major ones were like a bunch of regulators around the world have approved the deal um, after some of these concessions were made related to Call of Duty being on platforms that can't run it like the Nintendo Switch um, and various deals uh, with cloud uh, competitors like NVIDIA. Um, but the last major ones, I think, have been like the UK, the EU, and then um, uh, here uh, in the US. And the UK has blocked it uh, on the grounds uh, that it is. Uh, I'll just read from this this piece from The Verge. Microsoft's $78.7 uh, billion uh, deal to acquire Activision Blizzard has been blocked with the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, CMA. After uh, months of analyzing 3 million Microsoft and Activision documents and more than 2,100 emails from the public, the CMA has concluded that the deal could, quote, alter the future of the fast-growing cloud gaming market, leading to reduced innovation and less choice for UK gamers over the years to come. Uh, Microsoft says it would appeal the decision, but it's a blow to Microsoft's hopes of acquiring Activision Blizzard and will likely prevent the company from closing its deal if an appeal uh, is unsuccessful. Uh, quote, Microsoft has a strong position in cloud gaming services, and the evidence available to the CMA showed that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision's games exclusive to its own cloud gaming service, says the CMA. Um, the basic pitch seems to be whether or not you agree with the assertion here that 
cloud gaming is going to become sort of an individual platform. Um, this seems to be projecting where cloud gaming would be in the future. The concern, which I think is legitimate, is that Microsoft is u- uniquely owns the entire stack, right? They are not running a cloud gaming service. They are making the games, they own the servers, and then they are uh, like have like platforms all around. Like they are uniquely positioned as a company to say that like they could, in theory, encapsulate um, and, and, and like uh, reduce competition in sort of like cloud services and cloud gaming. The question then just becomes, is, is this a means to an end to block a deal? Because I, I, I think that can I think that can also be true. It's it's been interesting to see this come up. People were sort of struck by when we had Matt Stoller on to talk about this. He also focused on the cloud gaming thing much more than like market share of game sales or like position mm-hmm. in the console market. And I think there's kind of there's kind of twofold things. I do think there's a bit of this is a ground where anti-consolidation advocates feel they can fight. Uh, Like this is territory that they feel that they can contest and and make the argument about that. But I do think there's also a bit of like, I think it's very easy for us in the day-to-day, year-to-year like games press to think about the present a lot more than the future, right? Like that there, there are huge trends that like there's a, dis, there's a distinct chance that there's really transformative changes uh, coming down, like coming down the pipe toward the games industry that like, we know streaming games are going to become a bigger and bigger thing, whether they eventually like supplant the way people have played games on console and PCs. We've known that for years. We don't know, but this, this change is coming. It's been coming for a while. I think it's easy to be cynical about this and say, you know, Cloud gaming has been around the corner for like 10 years at this point. Uh, you know, it, it will never arrive. But like, I think all of us, but like Patrick, you especially, like you've seen the future. Like it's, it's like. It could work. It, it could be incredible. And it's just not, it's not there yet, both from a like access to the hardware to make it work as it currently stands for a lot of consumers. But it is true that like in a bubble, like the technology exists to make it where you don't have to buy fancy boxes and you can play these games at home. And if you, it is not without, even if I don't, I see it more likely to be that clouds cloud stuff is a additive feature, right? Like I think it's more likely that like at some point steam adds cloud gaming for like, you know, like, Hey, and you can stream it for wherever than it is to supplant it. It is not without, it is not with like, it is within the realm of possibility that actually it does supplant it or at least becomes like, a huge pillar that appeals to all sorts of mainstream consumers. And if you think that world is possible, then blocking this deal in which it's not, uh, it's a very unique company proposing like this deal because of the rise of like Microsoft, like modern Microsoft is like bolstered by Azure and their like server business much more than anything else the company has done over the last 10 years. And the success of that seems to be, whether you agree with the rationale or not, I do think it is within like the realm of possibility that they do uniquely own like all sorts of the stack here. And they would be like, like they, of course they would be pressured over the long haul to move all of that stuff behind that, behind those gates, because of course, why else would you buy it? And there's, and it would happen before like the model can reach any sort of maturation, right? That it would be like, they could like, you would have a company come in so early and shape what this would look like that it might not be like the best, not just for consumers, but it just might not be the best in terms of uh, offering technology, et cetera. 
Um, but it would, you know, and this is again, like one of the rationales for, uh, regulating companies and like, you know, promoting fair competition is that you would want to see what else is generated in that space before like consumers like make a choice about what model they want to embrace, what offering they want to embrace. But if, yeah, Microsoft is there like first and early with the, with the biggest stack, uh, you know, and the licensing support to make their offering like basically untouchable, like unbeatable. Uh, then right, and they can hemorrhage the, because of well, the size of the company. They can hemorrhage money on their licensing deals to get things onto stuff like Game Pass to crowd out other offerings because Game Pass can be a loss leader, but it's only well, a loss is- leader because the rest of the company, like Azure, allows them to take <laughs> like huge losses in the hopes that this becomes a more sustainable business going forward. Well, not just that, but this is this is one of the things that I, I do remember uh, like uh, like Matt mentioning in that interview we did. He sort of made the case that anytime you have a company just spend it like just willing to lose tremendous amounts of money to gain market share that's not good um it's like you know both it just in terms of it's it's kind of it, it one like one of the basic arguments for having a market is that it is a way to sort of um put a finger in the wind of like what do people want what works what is successful what is not and like things that are successful get more resources things that are unsuccessful kind of of wither and and die not in my case that's not true about waypoint uh but (laughs) the the issue with like what a company like microsoft can do and this was to a degree also like the the uber models when you have just massive amounts of capital coming in and saying like we are just going to undercut any conceivable competitor until we just gain market share with, with literally unbeatable prices because nobody can afford to run those losses. Uh, then they're effectively not competing with businesses on the strength of product. They're just running them out of business uh, and, you know, competing with them basically on the size of like capital reserves. And that's a fight that a company that Microsoft can always win. I guess, you know, the it's, it's interesting. The, the CMA uh, like, embraced this argument i guess the 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 major ones waiting we to see now is like what the eu makes of this uh how this plays out in the united states i'm not sure i don't know what well okay activision in a somewhat did you um, oh, I was, that, that was next like the immoderate statement, statement. well because this is the thing the uk is is there's some truth to this the uk is a shrinking market Right. Mm-hmm. Like it is a like it is a shrinking economy. The Brexit has like both damaged the practicality of like why having a UK side of your business as why it is not as important as it used to be. Uh, and it has because, been proposed by I think it might have been Pactor, who is up and down as an analyst. But and I so I, I haven't researched like how practical this would be, but it has been proposed that what would the ultimate remedy to all this be? Fine. None of the Activision stuff will ever appear on a cloud service and there will be a specific carve out. For UK, you know, using region like blocking was like, fine, we're going to respect your authority on this. And thus, UK consumers will just not get access to Call of Duty and Diablo and whatever through through Game Pass or or cloud services. Um, Right. Like like this Microsoft statement, which I remember the the full thing. No, it's Activision that says. I know, I know, I know. But I just want to read the difference in tone between these two of these. So like. Brad Smith, you know, the, 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 you know, the president of Microsoft 
Um, we remain fully committed to the acquisition and will appeal. The CMA's decision rejects a pragmatic path to address competition concerns and discourage technology innovation and investment in the United Kingdom. And just, just and then just imagine another like 300 words like of that tone, which is how most companies um, like speak while they're in the midst of this. And then <laughs> Activision's statement, the CMA's report contradicts the ambitions of the UK to become an attractive country to build technology businesses. We will work aggressively with Microsoft to reverse this on appeal. The report's conclusions are a disservice to UK citizens who face increasingly dire economic prospects. We will reassess our growth plans for the UK. Gro- global innovators, large and small, will take note that despite all its rhetoric, the UK is clearly closed for business. <laughs> Increasingly oh dire economic prospects. Do you want bread? <laughs> then you'd better let Enjoy us your buy Activision. <laughs> Enjoy your v, v for Vendetta Hellscape. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, the, the interesting part is they're... I'm sure this, these tactics are like being worked on by Microsoft and Activision in parallel. Like there's reasons for Microsoft to take a certain position based on their long-term outlook. But Activision, if you think about it, like this was the play, right? Like this, like if this deal falls apart, which unless you're able to do, like there's a very real chance, I think that I think the EU, like everything seems to be trending towards like they're going to approve it. But like, does this, you know, embolden the FTC to say, screw it. Like they gave us an opening, like, throw the book at them and Microsoft is going to feel like, do they want to spend years going through the appeal or do they just want to want to walk away? And if they walk away, sure, it's a PR hit. It's it's, it's kind of a disaster from a planning perspective for what the, the, the company was probably planning to do with all those studios and projects. But uh, like that's an existential threat to Activision Blizzard as a business. Like the, the whole the whole enchilada was like banked on this sale. And like the stock no, is gonna tank though. coming out of this. Like I think I think a lot of executives are tied to this. I think sure. like underlying like this is the thing, right? Act, Activision Blizzard is still a great, like very yes. w- like wildly successful, sustainable company. Mm-hmm. The People like the thing they're at risk of losing is the outcome for large shareholders. That and sounds awfully similar to some other stuff that seems to be going on. There's like a weird, like the idea of like you just can't be happy with the offer. It's just happening that, everywhere. It's huh. just happening everywhere. Yeah. Like <laughs> maybe, the, maybe we get a, we need to get the CMA in here to block us being laid off. <laughs> uh, oh, it is fuck. like, hang on. Is Ren- okay, sorry, I was worried that Ren was frozen for a second there. No, sorry, I just have a face that does that. <laughs> yeah, but you also have a camera that does that. Yeah, like, it's true. It's true. Uh, I have both a face and a camera. There goes Ren's uh, resting frozen face. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's... Uh, I think the the Activision statement cracks me up because there is a little bit of like there's a grain of truth to this, which is I don't think anybody really knows what the place of UK regulations or where it's going to sit in the global economy mm-hmm. really is right now. Like uh, the way it was described pre-Brexit was Britain was an aircraft carrier where American businesses could park European headquarters and like conduct operations in Europe from there. English speaking country integrated into the European economy. Very easy like launch pad for operations in Europe. Brexit destroyed that. And so like there's a like the UK doesn't have a lot of the advantages it had as part of the EU, which which might mean that some of like its ability to influence uh, 
you know, global scale deals like this might be somewhat diminished. But the other, but the other thing that I just find so funny about this is this has all happened because this is like the most Tory government you could possibly get in the UK. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the CMA is is attached. Maybe it's like completely insulated from the fortunes of parliament parliamentary politics. Like people can write in and let us know. Maybe like maybe Activision is just going to try to. They've said they're going to appeal this uh, to a different body that maybe is like more responsive. But uh, like it is kind of ironic that in some ways, you know, if there are increasingly dire kind of prospects and the UK is closed for business, it is because a party that is built on opening the country up for business and like letting operators operate uh, has kind of unsurprisingly managed to like blow a great gaping hole, uh, the hole in the hole below the waterline. Yeah. And, and I just think, you know, what we've, saw over the most recent era of the web that kind of feels like we're closing a chapter on that and entering a different era of the web. Like that was a land grab by a handful of companies that were never told to stop by regulators. And like, are we happy with the way the internet like was segmented off between a handful of social media platforms that ruined industries, like be like stole newspapers from us because of how they monopolized the ad tech industry. Like, there are all like not that regulation fixes all of that, but it's stop. It's it's like moments to stop and like allow for different windows of opportunity. And so I am, despite thinking maybe like I'm not convinced that cloud gaming is going to become what what like this is being blocked on. But broadly speaking, I'm in agreement of like, well, don't let them take the land grab, even if that's not necessarily going to be something it could be. And bro- broadly speaking, we should be erring on the side of preventing company. If you're proposing an, it's like a $70 billion merger, like that's already the problem. Like, like that's already the big red flag. And if this is the reason that stops it, then fuck it. Tell Activision to split up their companies, like sell Blizzard, like sp- spin them off, like those will sail on through. Like no one questioned Bungie getting bought. Blizzard would get bought no problem. Um, and if, well, if Activision becomes a Call of Duty like studio, then, and actually, then maybe the conversation <clears throat> is different there. And Patrick, if like, and here's the other thing is of like, if Microsoft didn't feel that cloud gaming was going to be a huge deal, they would probably also be willing to say, you know, we're not. They would be willing to make concession. Like, we're, mm-hmm. here's we're not going to try and like spin up a huge thing and like sign a bunch of exclusivity. They haven't really done that fully and have tried to like negotiator on the margins of this with like places like Nvidia does kind of suggest that they do see a long-term play here. Um, and so I mean, that's, that, that's something else to regard as like the, the regulators might be onto something in terms of like what some of the real value of this deal is for Microsoft. Yeah, for sure. So I think the next, I'm trying to see what, uh, let's see the, I'm trying to see what would the next like major date. Yeah, the EU is set to make a decision by May 22nd. Um, uh, I guess Reuters reported that it was likely to be approved, but also it should be noted that I believe it was the Financial Times that reported that the UK was going to approve it as well. So I think the reporting on this is not um, like should be looked at with some skepticism. And then the the FTC stuff go, is going to kind of run through the the summer, um, but. Uh, Microsoft so had a three-one lead in the series, and uh, <laughs> you know we, we're go- we're going to overtime. Don't worry, uh, I'm sure Redfall is going to be great. 
I, I'm looking for. I mean, I can't. I'm looking for. I I want to fight. I want to fight vampires in an arcane game. I want. I want Redfall to be good. Okay. I, no one's played I, it yet. Like we technically, as of this podcast, can talk about it. But I, I only played thirty minutes and don't feel I can speak to anything of those thirty minutes. I, I finished installing before the podcast when I got a bunch of messages being like, hey, what character? I sent a message to everyone saying, hey, what characters everyone's going to play? Uh, and then, <laughs> then people start like, naming colors. And I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know why there we went with colors. I played purple. They I have like, names. Kata. I don't the game, them. The game associates one as blue, yellow, purple, and red, I believe. Yeah. Like, the, like it strongly yeah. associates because the, the things they cast, their powers, are like of that color type. Oh, those are their um, magics. Yeah, I, yeah, I, know their, I know their color. I know they're color coded, but I do think that which character did you play followed by the blue one instead of the sniper can be a little bit hard to decipher. Mm, I don't know. I'm, th- the game doesn't make a strong first impression on its characters. Yeah. I'll just say that much. Well, so also, I don't know I'm, that I don't that I'm putting that on me. I'm fully I'm also fully working on just like trailer and stuff that we've seen in the past. I didn't actually mm-hmm. open the game. I only installed it. I had some other stuff going on this weekend. Uh, some other stuff came up at the end of last yeah. week, and it was just like yeah. hard to get around to to <laughs> to Redfall. Uh, but hey, Patrick, back when you had uh, like working attention and mm-hmm. not a sense of like cold dread in the pit of your stomach, mm-hmm. uh, you played Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And last week we talked a little bit about the issues with like just the review build and like where that left you, but we didn't really get into, and I think Kyle even playing this as well, mm-hmm. we didn't really get into like, so what's new with Cal Kestis? <laughs> oh, I mean, he's got a mullet now. Yeah. Well, that if you if you manage to go around that little pond area, do a little few months, so will I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at this point, you might as well uh, wait. Yeah, Jedi uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is the follow-up to uh, Fallen Order, uh, a game that came out three years ago. Um, maybe the performance issues of this game are telling on what it means to try and create another one of these types of games in three years, which, you know, uh, is really, really difficult. Uh, and especially a game that was made, you know, over the course of covid in which that like threw into chaos how games at the scale games of all scales are made but especially um difficult for games um uh you know that we kind of drop in the triple a bucket um but uh the, the original game was like you know in shorthand speak was kind of a mashup of dark souls and metroid with uh star wars you know trappings on top of it and was a game that uh i i quite liked it was certainly less intense than playing uh a souls game but that was part of its pitch was like hey it's cool to block and parry and have that mean more than just holding the block button um and you could make that intensity uh well, you can be, you know, frankly, more intense based on how you adjusted things like the parry window, which is usually that is finely tuned by the developers in a game like Souls or Sekiro. But in uh, in Fallen Order was proposed as almost a difficulty slider, like how how on time do you need to be? And uh, that game wasn't perfect. And I think Cal Kestis is one of the most unforgettable, like one of the most forgettable Jedi's we've we've had in recent uh <laughs> Oh, come on, Patrick. Sometimes he's sad. Sometimes yeah. he's sad, scared, don't want to be Jedi. And I don't think we've ever seen Jedi don't want to be Jedi because sad, scared. And I think that, you know, Star Wars could explore more of what happens when Jedi sad, scared. Okay. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't, I, I, think, sure I think Revenge of the Sith may have been the ultimate <laughs> no. uh, on that. No, no, Rob, Rob. <laughs> but no. you mean like in a softer sense. No, I need Jedi sad, scared, go want to go lay down. 
Okay, not not burn universe. Not kill wife and go no. control galaxy. Yeah, okay. honestly, kill wife very little. <laughs> no wife. That's what I. Calcast is no wife. Calcast is no wife. Can't kill. Very sad. Very scared. Cannot lay down. <laughs> Might be thinking about wife in new one though. Mm. Oh, I like to Haven't think about wife. Calcasta's too scared, sad to ask girl out though. <laughs> what is he put his arm around someone at some point, and I was like, "Well, I don't remember that from the first game." Um, but yeah, I, I I thought the first one was really was really like a really strong foundation. Uh, was a lot of fun uh, to play. Um, and like this, the sequence with like the Darth Vader stuff towards the end was fucking awesome. Um, and so I, I was pretty excited about uh, this new one. I hadn't been following it too closely, mostly because like I didn't really care that much about the story in the first one. I was like, whatever, like mm-hmm. throw me on some planets and let me fight some creatures and that'll be be enough for me. Um, and that really is what Jedi Survivor is so far. And like the, I don't know, 12-ish hours that I have played, it is a bigger more nuanced take on the same basic idea with uh, some added depth on like the combat uh, level, some added depth on the customization uh, level. Um, like the, this time you have multiple stances that your character can into gets into that radically changes like how you're using the lightsaber. So you, you know, you have your standard, like holding your right saber, you know, in one hand, swinging that around using your force powers. You have a different one that like splits it in half and you kind of have like a, you know, one half and, you know, kind of like if you, you took like Darth Maul's saber and then like put one in each of, of your hands and that is meant to. Yeah, we also like, have break. to slaughter everyone during the Waypoint anniversary stream. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And that and that and that one like like wears down defenses like a little bit faster and is like really speedy. Um, there's one where you do have like kind of the Darth Maul one, and that is like allow like allows you to do like wide attacks and deal with groups, and you can spin it around. And um, and I just got access to one where a character you're with is like, man, you want to like use a blaster? And he's like, I don't know if Jedi's are supposed to use blasters. And he's like, who cares? And he's like, yeah, I guess who cares? Unless and I have a stance that lets me have my lightsaber in one hand and I can fucking shoot a gun in the other. Oh, wait, no. you're a really cool Jedi. Yeah, oh, shit. yeah. yeah. Hang on. yeah. <laughs> wait a minute, Calcastus may be sick as fuck and think about wife. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing a lot of self-improvement, looking, in, looking within and saying, maybe do love person and gun um and trying to do some trying to work work out some some issues like i I just got to the point where i unlocked that that stance but it's it's like it's all to say like it's it's giving players like a larger breath of like how do you want to to play this game and i i have enjoyed that part of it so far wait i have some questions about this Mm. blaster style do you get to curve the bullets with your cool force powers because that's that's the question (laughs) for me is if you can like curve laser blasts because like that feels pretty strong that feels that feels like a pretty like a pretty good one, you know, the, like a pretty good thing uh, to be the, able to do. The, I haven't upgraded any of it, so I don't know what like the, where the skill tree takes you. But like its basic attacks are you're just you're just blasting like a, a, a sort of a normal shot, and then you can hold it to do like a power shot to take out a shield, um, and mm-hmm. then you can be doing that in connection with you know like blocking, which actually lets you do like the fancy you know blocking of, of right. shots. But no no curve shots as as far as I can tell, but. Definitely a possibility. I don't. I don't know. I, there's a there's a whole skill tree to be explored. I would. I would love an ability that lets you shoot one shot and then you ricochet it off all the guys with your force powers. I think that'd be neat. 
I mean, the like the the Darth Molly one like essentially lets you do that, where like the way you parry or like send back blaster fire changes based on like which stance you are oh, that's in. Cool. Mm-hmm. And the the one where you've got the big old like double long saber, like you hold parry and or block, I guess it was the same button, and and it just. I mean, if you walk into a field of like ten stormtroopers, like you just time that first one correctly, and it's just like beep 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 beep, and they all they all go down. Um, and it's very it's very satisfying to do, and to switch between those stances, which I don't you can't really do like mid combo, or at least I haven't. I don't think it's that seamless, but you can you can get between them pretty fast. Where yeah. uh, you know, like if you have a group, and then you're you kind of field the the group with like a certain stance, and then like all right, I've got this like this bigger guy, like who was more of a kind of a tanky, like, all right, I'm going to switch to this one that is meant for like individualized one-on-one combat. Like it just gives like a really unique feel to, to the combat. It's, it's definitely not as snappy as souls. Like it is, you know, they're, they're experts at that. You are, you are, you are, you are a developer that is trying their best and it feels pretty good. Yeah. Whereas, you know, anything, like, you know, once you play a Sekiro, it kind of breaks all these games <laughs> for you in terms of feel and I, th- that that vibe is definitely here, but it, it works well enough for me in concert with everything else that uh, it hasn't really bothered me. Like, kind of, how far have you made it at this point? I know you're a little earlier than me. I'm I'm still I'm still on like the main big planet that you like Cabo Cabo, the one that you like get to. Uh, you're on the planet Cabo. <laughs> yeah, on the planet Coba? It, or is it Coba? Calcasted would Co- end up in fucking Cabo. Cabo, a uh, Coba, Coba, Coba. A, yeah, that makes more sense. Cabo, it's a K A K A O B. Yeah, K O B O H. Kobo. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I wanted to mention earlier when you were talking about the the way that they split, like where you can like deflect shots. There's it's there's mm-hmm. a there's a park where you can like pick it up where you can um, you can level into splitting a blaster shot into two when you reflect it, which is just sick. Like, yeah, it's like further down the dual wielding uh, one, okay. which I've been uh, really interested in. And I love that. Um, yeah. They've just like kind of deepened all of those like combat systems. Like they added perks too, like, you know, just like bait, like, passive like you know buffs that you can pick up in the yeah, world like or, you're you're like you're atta- like like you're you know you can break stances faster yeah. or like a, a boost to defense kind of like and you know I, like if you remember pins from uh what's it called hollow knight, hollow knight or things like that mm-hmm. you know and what's interesting is that i fa- i found myself like how long did you stay on 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 c- Kobo. <laughs> Kobo. 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 uh most of that 10 hours i did I mean, I did almost everything yeah. in in Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. I found the Metroid element of that to be very satisfying. I am a mark for that stuff, though, where right. it doesn't have to be good, and that's still going to get me in the door. I thought it was pretty good in Fallen Order. The problem with uh, Fallen Order was that the map was bad. Mm-hmm. The fast travel was bad. Mm-hmm. It made it very difficult to do... There are very, you know, the way I've described myself playing games, like I'm not someone who gets hung up on 98% completion. Right. But there would be areas where I'm like 98% completion. And I don't know, or how, I know how to get to that last 2%, yeah. but it's so aggravate. Like I'm going to have to go through like three fourths <laughs> of an existing level right. to get there. And I eventually gave up. But I did. I don't, again, don't really do that with games. Mm. And I did almost everything I could. Uh, in in that I don't really do the the trophy or achievement chase right. but in terms of like explore a space 
find all the stuff. Yeah, and there's a red door. You, like, you at, by the end of the game, there are, there's none left. Like you've gone through exactly. all of them. Right. And and what and, and what's a, a compliment to like the exploration and platforming elements of uh, Fallen Order, and this I think continues into Jedi Survivor, uh, is that what you find in those doors is rarely satisfying. Yeah. Like they, yeah. <laughs> uh, like getting there is fun, but the little treasure chest that you're opening and what was in them. I think mostly in the first game, it was like ponchos. different colors for your... Lots of ponchos. It was different ponchos. It was different <laughs> ponchos. ponchos. Fuck, I forgot about the ponchos. Yep. <laughs> some, and, yeah, some color and variations and things like that, but... Yeah, it was, it, it was just not... No. Like, you had to be okay with the journey, like, because the destination was not necessarily going to be satisfying. And I, I was, and I still wanted to do broadly everything because like jump like running along walls like going through the spaces figuring out the puzzles was was very enjoyable to Mm me um and i don't know that they because customization stuff doesn't do a lot sure for me and with the, the way they've tried to solve this issue in jedi survivor is twofold like one like the harder the puzzle the mm-hmm. funnier the hair upgrade or like <laughs> option is going to be for yeah. Cal. Yeah. Like straight up, like one of the like cool early ones is like you open, like, you know, your little, you know, your little robot comes out, like opens up this chest and it's like mullet unlocked. <laughs> and it's so Immediately funny. put that on. Haven't taken yes. it off yet. <laughs> It's very hard to not make him look like a douchebag. I have to admit, like, there's just something, I'm sorry to that actor, but, like, just something (laughs) about it. Something about Cal. And and there's, like, just, there's tons of that. So you get all sorts of, like, facial uh, customizations, hair customizations. Um, I think a lot of the cool different, like, outfits you can put on them are really fun. Yeah. And then the part where it loses me, though, and maybe this is, I I like Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, it's it's not... uh, there are a bajillion customization options for your lightsaber. Yes. And I mean literally yes. a bajillion. I know that might not be a real number, but it feels <laughs> like the real number in this game. Because you'll, I, I swear, three-fourths of chess you open, it's like one of like 900 parts you have for your lightsaber. Yeah. I customized it once and was like, I n- am never going to see the details of that lightsaber other oh, than the color. Can- you can tell when Ever the emitter is different. You can, you can see the curve of, <laughs> uh, come on. So are you look, doing look, that? Are you going so- back in? So, in the original, in, in, in Fallen Order, I was like you for, like, the first half of the game. And then okay. after getting my fifth poncho, I was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, some of these, yes, you're right. Like, the, the getting there was really fun. But at a certain point, I just had to finish the game. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to, like, keep me engaged in trying to do every single thing on that map. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. And I, I, th- I, would not, I would not defend it. Uh, like, it's like your <laughs> threshold of Metroid. Right. In this one, I found like, much like threshold of cat. The 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 structure. Kind of was carrying their cat. Yeah, my I, my cat just crawled across my desk, which was I forgot to close the door. Hold on. I no no Kato don't. I think that this, this should be part of the. I think this should be part of the, the like the the waning era it's, of it's, Waypoint it's, is that animals in right. Maybe Kato can't on the calls constantly. <laughs> no, it's fine until she trips over a wire that should be connected or something. Right, like she has mm-hmm, mm-hmm. turned wow. off computers before, so she should actually be outside. But anyways, we can um, have three quarters of a recording. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can have three out of the four people. <laughs> the. uh in kind, of, sur- kind of did it on the stream just the other week. <laughs> Damn it! Was, it was I was under some sad on the stream. Oh my god! 
I gotta have to pull a clip of that and share it. Yeah, it's it's good. The, the I think structurally this this one feels a lot a, a a lot more a lot more different up front because first of all, I've already done some of these side things and found like gameplay impacting stuff like at the end of mm-hmm. certain side quests and also there's like literally side quests in that like you walk up to a person and they give you a rumor and you have to like navigate to this rumor like they, it is not it's not an exact uh waypoint always it's like in this vicinity there's something there's a circle that goes on the on the on the, on the map. map and it says like hey there's like a mine could you go investigate it and i, I like that yeah. as a is a way of like setting up the side quests is, is just like, I don't know. There's something over here. Poke. And sometimes and uh, like the gate, the game doesn't gate you out of that. Right. If you haven't yes. found the side quest, I had specifically had one. Oh, what's that little frog fucker's name is the cutest character oh, to, in the game. To, to, to something. No, not that. <laughs> that you cute. What's that Yoda frog cute? We're not talking about fucking Grogu here. Yoda's fucking barely a frog. No, it literally frog looks fucker, like a frog. He's amazing. <laughs> Terrence or something? I don't know. No. <laughs> Are you talking about Turgle? Turgle. Oh, Turgle. 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 You're talking about my buddy Turgle? Turgle, yes. Oh, fuck yeah. I saw people tweeting about Turgle. Turgle's um, great. <laughs> and so, like, there was uh, clearly, like, they were supposed to give me a side quest when I came back to, like, this uh, hub area, which is this bar. Um, and he, like, he's about to go and do, like, their whole spiel, and, like, you know, Cal's like, I got it. I, like, literally already did that. Like, don't yeah. worry about it. And so the game, like, has a nice balance between, like, if you're just frequently doing what I'm doing, which is, like, as I get to an area, I'm exploring all the little yellow indicators that show, like, hey, that's something you can explore with the powers that you, you have, currently have at the moment. And then anything with red, and you just know right off the bat, you don't need to screw with this. You cannot make it up the sledge. I think the game does a good job of, if you I don't know how customizable that part of the UI is. It's a game with a ton of accessibility and like difficulty modifiers down to one that I really liked, which is like when you get to different puzzles. Oh my God. The hints, you can turn them off. You can turn them them off. off. Thank God. Like the the games are always giving you context clues or like UI like clues. I'm like, Hey, like this thing over here, like if you hit L2, it'll work. And the game is like, do you want to turn that stuff off? If you just like know that like, this is a puzzle and I want to figure out, like which force power to use or what yeah. combination of things you have the ability to not turn them off, have vague hints or like, like I forget how it describes it, but like, oh, like w- we're going to be super specific and obvious nice. about what you need, need to do. And I love the fact yeah. that the game has that level of detail. And I, and I like that in the, in the actual game, when you're just looking around, it is not obvious whether you can or cannot get into something. You can figure that out yourself. But the moment you pull up the map layer, the game immediately snaps to attention and tells you that's red. Don't have to mess with it. And so as the player, you can spend your time exploring, figuring out the space. And then when you want to go to the next level of, okay, but I really want to make sure I've done everything here. The information's there. It's super clear. The map is so much better than it was before. Mm -hmm. There's way more fast travel points and it's it's definitely already given me the itch that like, okay, I'm going to be able to fill out all this stuff and it'll be satisfying and to your point i okay i don't care about like the 900th handle for the lightsaber but like i don't know every four times i'm getting like my health up my yeah. force up i'm getting um uh, just like, a random skill point sometimes like a skill point like and so some, it's like that's okay yeah. those are those carrots are good enough to make me want to explore all the stuff will i want to do that at the end of the game when i don't need those skill sure. trees like stuff anymore maybe i don't know but like 
at least as it stands, even, I think the game does a good job of it. Yeah, and and even just in the waving of the carrot by being it, it's like a little like moment where you talk to someone in a t- in the town or like whatever you know, like you have a little trailhead that is less like uh, I'm going left or right on this path. One of them is going to be main path. One of them is going to be a puzzle. Right? It feels yeah. even just in the design of the level itself on on Kobo, like it feels a little bit more open and a little less like. Right, it feels I'm, very naturalistic. It yes. feels like you're in a place yes. and that it just happens to have things. I mean, there's very obvious like, well, that is a cave that goes right. into a, you know, so you have these like divergent paths that lead you to like kind of dungeony things. But it it does feel like you're just in a spot yeah. and you have a big place to explore. And like there are rideable elements now that don't really come into play until the kind of end of the first area. But like make traversal like yeah. more enjoyable, like just make getting around more enjoyable. And it's a fun space to explore. I am like it's uh it it sounds like this is the case. It it sounds a little bit more like with the first game my my impression of it was like adventuring zones felt very isolated from like where the life of the Star Wars universe was happening, right? Like mm-hmm. there life happened on your ship and then it was like bye Cal, go do Jedi shit and like then you were in a Often very beautiful environment, but it was also kind of not lifeless because there were like enemies there. It was kind of like it would be cool looking, but there weren't like non-hostile interactive elements. There wasn't a sense of like placeness to a lot of these a lot of these things. It sounds like there's a little bit more like interweaving of like hanging out in Star Wars world without totally like it sounds like the division isn't as sharp. Yeah. No. Oh, go ahead, Ren. I was going to ask, do you have cool buddies? Who you so, can sit around Kato with. doesn't, but Kato will. Um, well, I, I have mean, cool buddies. I do if wow, I go Kato to the bar. There's buddies buddy? in the bar. No, but what I mean is yeah. you have actual. Once you get over so, your awkwardness, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> once, you, once you sprout and really come into your own, uh, you will have cool buddies. I'm sure everyone, I'm sure everyone in Star Wars likes you. Oh my, oh they just don't know how cool you are yet. Jesus Some Christ. people are late bloomers. <laughs> When you get to fourth grade, you'll finally have friends, kiddo. Um, and no, so you hold. At least on a controller. Not my kid has friends. That was not. That was not like a commentary. No, on my that was child. not me. That was not me ucking at you. That was me ucking at my own childhood. Oh, Patrick, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're fine. It, it like struck some deep memory in Ren. Oh, no, oh, no, you're oh. fine. Listen. Is that what parents tell their kids when they're lying to them that things are gonna get better? Oh my god. <laughs> So you hold uh, uh, at least on a control. The like will a, stop bullying you one day, Ren. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a PS uh, like a five controller, like you hold R one and it brings up like a circle. You can cast like a, a persuasion, you know, whatever. Like you can you can have uh, yeah, you enemies can do Jedi mind tricks for you, now, which is fun, right? And so that is not exclusively like. Jedi powers like for uh for oh my god Rob I just not gonna I can't I I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information seven year old me was not a twink Rob <laughs> the adults could the adults could sense something was up I see, I'm I'm noticing some kind of gender fuckery here is that, what the, is that what the Jedi's were up to yes listen I don't. I haven't watched all the Clone Wars television show. I haven't, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what kind of subtext I, I've been missing. They suppress an awful lot, is what I would say. <laughs> Hormone replacement therapy. I am on. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> so on other worlds, <laughs> you can hold R one, and 
you will have I don't want to say which characters because uh, mm-hmm. some of the surprises well, you, you know you there's a bit of like getting the, opening, the band back together you get this in the opening uh, a segment right you got that one guy who you can like fight with oh yeah I guess yeah. yes okay yeah. and there's more of that I yeah, guess yeah. I will say like yes and you you get like context actions uh, for some companions to get to do some really oh, the one you get in the world after this mm. Kato is awesome one of my <laughs> favorite characters from the first game getting back with them and their cool ass power is, is great. Um, nice. and so you, you have a little bit more of the, you know, kind of uncharted stuff where like you have a companion character you're doing banter with while you're doing the sections you're talking about, Rob, which is like, Hey, the non open world stuff where you like the more directed linear things. It's not just Cal doing combat and fancy force powers, like off on their own with the spectacle stuff. You now actually have like, uh, like the uh, actual characters you're doing that with, but then also in the broader world that where you're exploring, uh, you you have these these other characters that you're interacting with. I do think the side characters are pretty shallow. There's not a whole lot to them, at least in my interactions uh, so far. But they exist. Like they help anchor the world uh, a little bit more. And even to that point, uh, I, I kind of I'll be curious if you made this sort of same sort of observation. Like we had the conversation recently about the Resident Evil 4 remake mm. and how the original game, uh, how how games have tried to signpost what is in their world to make sure that players understand what's out there. And like this is very common in open world games where it's like, how are we going to tell players what they can climb and can't climb as we have worlds that look increasingly, even in fantasy worlds, like it's difficult to discern what you can do. And so the solution to that is like white paint, Mm-hmm. yellow paint and like just tell the player where it is um or like the barrels in resident evil 4 is like big red big barrel big yeah. barrels with yellow paint on them and i have been pleasantly surprised how often in jedi survivor the environmental interaction stuff fits really nicely with how it should actually look yeah where i have to sometimes look around and go i'm i know that i'm going up there I don't actually know what the game wants me to do to climb to get there. And I mean that in the most complimentary way possible where they have introduced a little bit of visual friction that I then have to discern. And if, again, the nice part is you hit the map, it shows you the path. It will show you like the climbing path. It will show you these are walls that you can jump off of. And so there are times where I haven't actually picked up on it visually and then have to go into the map layer and go, Oh, like, okay, I guess I see now what they wanted me to do. And what I end up realizing in that process is they've erred on the side at least a little bit towards making it look nice and fitting the world as opposed to having the player immediately know, yeah, like, look, like, did you see someone spill the bucket of paint? And like, that's how you (laughs) go from left to right. And the way they split the difference on that is putting it on the map and being like, do you want the actual, like, the paint is hidden in the map layer as opposed to like, the environmental That's layer. So nice. And I yeah. I really love that as a as a decision on and you still get instances where like here's the grates that you can right. climb on on the ceiling. Like that stuff exists and some of those are the, not the completely empire coded like little like you know, there's a bunch of those little like ovals in, repeating yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like those are yes. everywhere like a, a bunch of places still. But then there's a ton of like yeah, vines that look just integrated and enough into the environment that you're like, yes. are those climbing vines or just like scenery? Because I'm in like kind of kind of a lush place right now. Um, yeah, I found that like I really have, you know, I've enjoyed just kind of jumping at walls a lot and being like, I wonder if I, yeah, let me try it. It's it's almost to that like, 
I wonder if kind of feeling that like Breath of the Wild did like amazingly, mm-hmm. obviously, I was just like, I if I see something in the world, I wonder if I can interact with it. And you're gonna hit yeah. a, you're gonna hit more walls in this game still, obviously, because it's not open world in, in that same way. But more times I'm hitting a thing where I'm like surprised that oh yeah, this is intractable. This is kind of part of the path and the world that I can. Well, because you have the on. wall jumping and the double jump straight from the, the start, uh, yes. whereas the, the original game gated the double jump as an upgrade. This game just says from the start, it's more fun if you have the double jump. Like we're just gonna give it to you, and it yeah. doesn't really like. It resets the character to a certain degree, but mostly you have like the baseline stuff that you had you at the start original game. With the dual uh, lightsaber, the the yep. Darth Maul style, you know, dual. You got force start. pull. You got force push. Like you, they don't they, they don't try to come up with how do we strip him of all his powers and start from scratch. Instead, the game says like let's just give you more stuff to do as opposed mm-hmm. to starting the character completely uh, fresh. And like there are instances where like I've had a couple of. You know, it's clear the game, this is like a, a bonus that I'm trying to find. I'm in a kind of a puzzle room mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I got tricked, but like I've used my double jump and some like fancy maneuvering to get to a spot. And then when I get to the spot, I look back at the room and go, oh, that was not the intended path. Like I now <laughs> see the wall run that I was supposed to do. Yeah. But that's kind of cool. That's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and fun. And they, they make great work of. Oh, every time this this comes up, uh, Kato, I get so excited, is when I see a rope really far in the distance. Oh, yeah. And you can use force pull to, like, grab a rope. And there are there have been at least twice where I'm like, that's too that's, far. That, I this can't is, This that. is a bridge too far. <laughs> I'm clearly meant to get at this from, like, a different angle. And or I'm just I've got to cut down it. a certain area where so it'll get longer or something, but. Yes. And, and instead, I make that leap of faith. Yeah. I do that double jump. I do that force pull and that rope comes over and I swing and I'm like, Whoa! like I mean, it's all and like it feels really good. Yeah. Now, would would it feel better if the frame rate was like so, better? Like, absolutely. I have, I have uh, an email about this. Yeah. Uh, I should say we Elizabeth. both played on PS. We both. I just want to just clarify before you, get, you read the email. Yeah. We both played on PS5, which by all accounts, all analysis by Digital Foundry and other folks seems to be the the best pa- platform to play on got the most boost from the like day one patch um and that that is the one that that Kato and I played on yeah. and I the post patch seemed to be in a much better state than it was when than when, when Kato and I played it originally anyway continue what if you have a 4090 and an Intel i9 I don't think that shit matters on this game. Like, the mm. PC version is... I think Digital Foundry declared it well, the worst PC port of 2023. They like, also... That was their headline. Wasn't that... This was the game, right, where they put out that statement where it was like... They well, put out an actual, like, apology to PC players. But also, like, within that statement, there was, like, a little bit of, like, build shaming where it's like, if your GPU is super high, but your <laughs> CPU shaming. isn't fast enough to keep up with it, you've created your own bottleneck. Look, it's a real... Look, it is true. This is why I had to, this is why I had to go this way. It's because you couldn't CPU lock the GPU. It's just science. Oh. Anyway, Elizabeth from, uh, from NARM, a.k.a. Melbourne, Australia, uh... Okay, so how bad was the Jedi Survivor frame rate pre-patch? I'm playing on PS5 with variable refresh rate enabled, not sure if the game supports it, and I'm getting pretty noticeable frame rate drops in performance and quality modes. Pretty much any time there's fire or water or something more intense happening on screen, stuttering happens. So if the post-patch frame rate is like this, what was it like pre-patch? A lot worse. (laughs) (laughs) The screen tearing, especially, it was a lot was. of screen tearing. It was really like you—you you, anytime you moved the camera, it felt like oh god. <laughs> the oh world. man, that's rough. 
it was it was pretty rough at times. Yeah. I mean, the opening sequence of the game, which I think is poor. I think it's Fallen Order has one of the most memorable openings to a game of this mm-hmm. type in a while. Like it has such a cool setting where you're in this like scrapyard and like big star destroyers are being ripped apart. It's I mean, really it's, sick. I just it, played it recently. It's I just yeah. played it for the first time like the other day, and I was like, "This fucking rules!" Yeah, I kind of hey, I kind of like this. It was, it was like Andor guy. before Andor, to be quite yeah. honest. Like yes, in terms um, of it opens on a breaker's yard in star Wars. And like, nobody has powers. What they have is a shitty wage job. and a dangerous workplace. It is there. It is. You are 30 seconds into that game before a guy is like, well, I guess I'm going to be killed by the state to save my friend. And like, it fucking rules. Oh yeah. It's a great, it's a great opening. Mm-hmm. I don't think the rest of the game store, like it quickly goes to like, and now you're a Jedi and you know, like <laughs> runs away from, from all that stuff. And so I was curious how the second game, would open like hey man I, my memory of the op- is like you got to match this like you got to exceed it and i don't think it gets any work like the game doesn't really start or get interesting or be good <laughs> until like 90 minutes in when you get to this first planet and you realize this is like the meat of what they're doing i i i, I don't know how you felt kind of like I, I didn't find the opening to be i don't think it did a good job of reestablishing the characters the sense of stakes <laughs> where things left off on fallen order yeah and i just don't think it was a particularly exciting sequence like like you know, I, broadly, you know, I kind of I I enjoyed it. It wasn't like amazing, but I I do think I was I was, I was um I was you know interested because they do like this hard jump, and there is a kind of you know a demonstrable difference in Cal in this first opening mission as far as like he's a little more ruthless. Like mm-hmm. I mean, especially like I won't uh, spoil this, but there's a specific uh, boss battle that happens in the end of that first sequence where the outcome is directly related to something that happened in Jedi Fallen Order and it 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 breaks differently and it's kind of surprising honestly um so but you're right that it's kind of awkwardly sets up the fact like oh um the crew as you left them they like rode off into the sunset to like go like do stuff and they jump forward in such a way that this is now everyone's left. Like, obviously, like, many years have passed, but they don't get to actually showing you that there's been a time jump. So, like, definitely immediately it was kind of, like, awkwardly, awkwardly well, placed. I feel like at some point there was some focus testing where they had like, some yeah. confused players because there's this moment where, like, awkwardly and out of nowhere, there's just, like, a bunch of... Re- like uh, what's the little robot uh bd1, BD-1. Right? oh yeah, the, yeah 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 he like bd1 shows like a flashback sequence like, which is like a couple of like worry. you know we'll fill you in. moments between the characters like and what the dynamic was and it's like oh right someone at some point played this first mission was like <laughs> i don't remember the first game where these characters and like oh we gotta cram them in because yeah. they're not gonna come into play until until later um i mean it's not terrible i was just i think it was more sure as you know ren illustrates like the the opening to that first game is so strong yes. that i don't think they just they don't match the moment at all no they definitely um, are trying here. to aim for the same sort of thing of like having a very kind of high spectacle in, in this in this beginning but like it does kind of there's like a narrative sort of uh, split here that doesn't get um it's not artfully like explained it's like it very kind yeah, of I think that's right. it feels very cl- it feels yes. very clumsy where they're like and i think it's like broadly clumsy in its storytelling you haven't even gotten to the plot starting basically like the plot doesn't start till the end of kobo and i won't yeah, explain yeah. i what's just actually- i hit the end of kobo i 
to the special place. You hit the- you hit the person on ice. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So that is the beginning of the <laughs> yeah of the, of the plot, which has a lot of crossover with the High Republic era, which is like a newish era of Star of, of the Star Wars universe that they're exploring. That I I, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm feeling it, but necessarily. <laughs> but um, Rob, do you like the High Republic? Rob, how do you feel about the High Republic? I don't recognize it yet. Like it's a, it's like it's open territory for storytelling, and that's why it exists. But I don't know right. what I'm like. Yeah, mm. right. Uh, so hey, but if we want an artful explanation, uh, Kata was good enough to excerpt the uh, the most important <laughs> section of the statement on Jedi Survivor. We are aware the Star Wars Jedi Survivor isn't performing to our standards for a percentage of our pc players in particular those with high-end machines or certain specific configurations he's pulling out the sheath for example players using cutting edge multi-threaded chipsets i feel like we're switching between a craya and sheave every other sentence (laughs) designed for windows 11 we're encountering problems on windows 10 or high-end GPUs coupled with lower-performing CPUs and also saw unexpected frame loss. Rest assured, we are working to address these cases quickly. Jedi. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very much a, like, I stole the 4090s, Jedi. <laughs> I mean, the 4090s couldn't hit 60 FPS. They're yeah. powering my cloning vats. <laughs> On this cool planet that everyone remembers. I'm mining crypto in the heat. Helps my clones stay warm. Uh, You should check out the episode of uh, AMCA where Natalie, like, puts the pieces together and realizes that the old Republic economy ran on crypto. Uh, It's it's a truly stunning moment, Uh, but it it does hold up, Uh, which is wilder because the show predates the crypto boom so much. Uh, that's oh, the fucked up part. Uh, anyway, we are we'll leave Jedi Survivor there until uh, we 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 play a bit more. We're going to take a little break and run some ads for some reason. And uh, when we come back, legal we'll be obligations. I think is the thing. It's legal obligations. I believe is the <clears throat> thing we're doing here. Yeah, we, like and hey, just just to cover bases here. Uh, here is my position. Okay, like if. You want to if you sit, get hit with a renewal notice, you want to cancel right away. Go for it. I certainly wouldn't encourage people to sign up new for the plus. Uh, that being said, like a lot of people are asking, like, well, I want to, you know, does this support you in any way? Like the Waypoint Plus business exists for another month, like to a degree. Part of the calculation that Vice made was that it wasn't that expensive to keep us around for another month. So, like, if you want to cancel, totally get it. If you're worried that, like, uh, Vice is just like setting this money on fire. Well, that's probably true, but also like that that fire is also heating our jobs for the next month. <laughs> so like don't sweat it too much. Um, you know, like I like ditto people asking about what's happening if I'm buying like mugs or merch. Don't worry about it. We don't we've never fully known what the story is with that. But what I will say is Get the mugs while they're while they're there to be gotten. Do we had do we get the promo code? Do we have that we have together? to pick a thing? Uh, F, uh, some um, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just saying this into the microphone now. Is like, Kato, we'll figure that out, and then we'll have you add and like yeah. the promo code. So by the time this goes out, people will have because I some people were messaging me over the weekend. Like, should I buy something now or like, uh, like wait a little minute and like we'll we'll get you a discount code if you're gonna a bulk buy. I mean, People, um, people. Stuff. So I saw multiple suggestions that were 
Just FCGH, baby. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's Let's easy. just do that. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. <laughs> so by the time this is out, yeah. if you use that, it will give you some unspecified discount. Because Kato has to figure out Mass, exactly how much yeah. we can. I think uh, 10, 15%, 20, something like that. Yeah, we'll yeah, something something like that. But by the time you listen to this, you should be able to input that FCGH and that'll. Um, and there's that new map mug. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, a new mug. Map mug? You can get that. Map mug. New map yeah, mug? New map mug. Map we got, mug. It was a mug just sitting, mug? In, sitting in the queue and we just never pushed never it out. Pushed it. Forgot to turn on new map mug? Forgot mm-hmm. to turn on new map mug. Now, Calum new map mug. Calum map mug. new map mug. map mug. They put the key locations in the map mugs. So they don't have to like <laughs> put yellow paint uh, in the mm-hmm. environment. It's mm-hmm. it's great. Such a smart design solution. Jedi, Jedi sad, angry. Now have new map mug <laughs> and happy. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to hear Patrick interviewing Craig Lee, design director at Mojang on Minecraft. Uh, so back after this. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, welcome once again to another uh, special Waypoint Radio where we have an opportunity to chat with uh, various folks in the games industry. I've been very uh, thankful and blessed to be talking to all sorts of interesting people lately, and we are going to continue that. I just know it's going to be a good one. I'm just going to like bless the interview now um, and just know that we're going to have a, a good time. Because if you're talking about E3 1998, then how can you go wrong? Um, and so I'm joined by, uh, uh, you are probably the... Creative design director at Mojang is that the the proper title? What do you what do you have on the business card? Hi Patrick, uh, yeah, my name is Craig Lee, and I am the principal design director um, over at Mojang Studios, and I'm currently working on Minecraft Legends. I've worked on lots of things at, at Mojang, but yeah, I'm currently um, one of the sort of creative people working with BBI on Legends. It's been an awesome experience, and I'm uh, it's wonderful to speak to you today. Today, and I'm very grateful of the opportunity. Uh, you mentioned, I had an opening question and then you derailed it, uh, because you mentioned that the first game that you worked on was for, was it a Commodore 64? Is that what you said? Commodore Amiga. Commodore Amiga. Yeah, it was a, a little tiny sprite football game. Um, a little anecdote there. We got into trouble one day because we were all testers in this testing lab uh-huh. and we'd been listening to music <laughs> and we hadn't been listening to the audio. <laughs> you know, back in that day, you know, you were talking about floppy disks, uh-huh. people were going to manufacture, and in the last version of this football game, the developer in obscene football chants. And then it went, and went gold and went live, and then I remember, I'm like 24, when this like six foot five linebacker producer kicked the door open to the testing lab and said, who's not listening to the audio because we've just shipped a 
sprite soccer game full of offensive football chants. Oh my god, there's no day zero, day one patches for games back then, Craig. <laughs> What'd you do? Send someone a disc in the post saying, play this, please? You, you know, so you're done. That was it. Um, so yeah, lots of wonderful, fun memories of, uh, you know, E3 and the industry. But uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. When I... um was poking around at the, you know, entirely 100% reliable uh, Moby games, which uh, to try and figure, like, kind of see a little bit of what you were doing early in your career. And although it didn't uh, list, uh, uh, you know, obscene f- football game in, in there, it did list a game that I never played it. But boy, I remember the a CompUSA was this, this like mass market computer store um, uh, around me growing up. And I always remember seeing the box for this game, Creatures. Um, uh, that's a blast from the past. Yes. I, yes. Uh, because I have not thought about creatures perhaps as long as you have not thought about creatures. I never played it. I knew, I, you know, I knew it was like a life sim game that you kind of mess with these little guys. And I, I had a computer at the time, but I, I was always taken by the box, but never actually picked it up or never had a PC gamer with a demo disc of it. But I, it's, it, I know, you know, when you mentioned being a tester, this was the first credit I could find where, you know, a game that you'd worked on. Anyone who knows creatures, I will say, ooh, are we? That's how the uh, creatures used to speak. <laughs> but no, it was a very early AI game, and there was this oh, it was so complex, and they were trying to do, like, little brains in each of these creatures. And it was a bit, you know, it was a predecessor to black and white because you would tap them to give them, mm-hmm. stroke them to give affirmative actions and slap them to say, don't eat that poisonous thing. And what was really exciting about the development is you didn't know when they when they would breed what would come out i remember there was this it wasn't a bug it was a feature one two of these creatures bred and they created one that never died <laughs> and we called it the highlander gene and one of you know and they would evolve in different ways so it was a nightmare to test i was a producer on it but it was a nightmare to test but yeah um you know i remember little anecdote i remember going into peter molyneux's office and when he was working on black and white and seeing a copy of creatures on his desk oh wow so there was a there was a direct through line maybe maybe at least he played it or he saw the box art like i did and was like ah, i should probably pay attention to that one wow oh wow we that was a, that was a <laughs> you know blast from the past so you so you come into all oh, this about that game I, well, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, again, like it's, I mean, that's going all the way back to 1996. Yeah, 1996. Um, like three lives ago. <laughs> and you, you meant, you know, and, and that game you said you were a producer, but, you know, you mentioned earlier being in testing. So is testing how you get into the games industry? Is that like your foot in the door? Back in 95, like the, there was no like, design jobs it was the it was the coders the engineers who did all the design um a lot of the coders did the art as well because it was sprites Mm -hmm. and so you couldn't get into dev unless you were a a coder and so i thought well i just desperately wanted to get into games and so i packed my bags left my mum and dad's house went to london slept on a friend's couch and became a tester and then within a year i was a producer and then uh, a couple of years after that, I started my first development company and went into design. So um, it was a bit of a roller coaster. But yeah, left home, all my stuff in a bag and slept <laughs> on a couch just because I wanted to get into the games industry. But there's so many more um, roles and, you know, possibilities now. You can, right. 
I mean, there's about 20 types of designers from UX designers, narrative designers, system designers. <laughs> As opposed to just raise it, raising, I remember talking with, um, the, the name escapes me at the moment, but the, uh, um, the sort of uh, the person who came up at Insomniac Games for the original idea for Ratchet and Clank. And I was chatting with them about the fact, like, about the arc of, um, like, storytelling and narrative. Because that was a series that started as, like, a pretty basic platformer and then has gone on to have world building and lore and character arcs. And and I remember him telling me as part of that 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 interview, and I was like, well, how did you end up? I know that you had sort of the idea of Ratchet and Clank, but then how do you end up being a writer because he was uncredited because back then you weren't necessarily crediting the writing. He's like, well, I was the writer because I raised my hand when somebody asked who wants to write the lines of dialogue. So that's how I became a writer. <laughs> I know it was like, it was so like uh, the wild West frontier of game development. But then you wore like 10 hats and none of these uh, roles existed. It was whoever wanted to do it. <laughs> so, you know, I used to work on localization as well as the design systems. It was, We've got this job needs to be done. Who's prepared to do it? Because there's only like 20 of us. Unlike a PS2 team, a team, uh, a PS2 game, teams were like 20 people, yeah. right? And then now, you know, I worked on, um, I was the design director of uh, 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 Splinter Cell uh, Double Agent mm-hmm. in uh, Ubisoft. And I think my team was 160. And that was 2004. So teams are just crazy. What is, what is, you maybe probably don't even know the exact number off the top of your head, but like ballpark, like what are the amount of, you know, hands touching Minecraft uh, legends? Oh, no idea. <laughs> probably in the thousands though, right? Like all told? I don't know because there's obviously the people, our wonderful partners at Blackbird Interactive who are the developer. There's our publishing team, uh, which I'm part of at, um, at Mojang. But then we've got such a fantastic marketing team and press teams and release teams. And mm-hmm. I would have no idea. <laughs> yeah. People say it takes a village. I think it takes an army because with Legends, we actually launched simultaneously on seven platforms worldwide which um, you'd think would be an amazing achievement for Legends, but it's actually more platforms and services in one day than any other game on Xbox. Wow. So it's like Xbox's biggest launch ever. Um, But that was really important to us because we wanted, you know, we love our community, we love our players. And when we were designing Legends, we wanted, regardless of where your friends were playing, what platforms they had, you know, if they're on Switch or on PC or Xbox, we wanted them all to play together. And that was one of the foundations early on and so it's very important for us to do this large launch because we didn't want to do like you know ps4 coming in two months and you can't play like it doesn't matter we love our community we wanted them all to play together so it was quite a big effort to do that but um super rewarding well i mean that's kind of the been the joy as i have you know personally never been a huge minecraft person until i had kids and then my kids my oldest who her turned seven um later this year she got into Minecraft by watching videos of other people playing Minecraft and then got interested in playing herself. Thus, I was now forced to figure out, oh, oh shit, I got to figure out this Minecraft thing that I've been avoiding for for so for so long. I mean, and broadly speaking, personally, it's that I, I, I prefer games that are more objective based. And when you're just put, put in a sandbox, I sort of just th- throw up my hands. And when my kid got into it, it was at least she was my objective, right? Like, I want to build this. Okay, well then I'm going to figure out how we do this and then I'm going to help you build this house or do it. So she almost became like the mission structure that the game itself lacked. And what was amazing about that experience as uh, as she's been into it for the last like year and a half or so 
has been like exactly what you're talking about, where like sort of the platform agnostic part of Minecraft, which is so different than a lot of what we see in lots of other video games where, you know, when her a friend who's a couple years older realized she was playing Minecraft, we should play together. And when she shows me, well, I've got this, you know, Android tablet or Minecraft, you know, whatever other tablet. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, you, I know that usually these things can't talk to each other, but like, we're going to, I'm going to go into this weird console commands of Minecraft and like figure out a way for, for the two of you to play. And we all, we all fi- figured all that out. And that was a real beauty that the two of them could, you know, can continue to share that experience. And then I can play with her. Like she's on her iPad. I'll play on like Xbox connected to the TV. And like the, the fact that, uh, that all is kind of interoperable remains kind of a minor miracle, especially given how the rest of the industry sometimes operates. It's it, it's not a minor miracle. It's an army of people making <laughs> it all work all the time. But um, no, it's super important. And my kids uh, are always on Zoom calls with their friends and they're, uh, you know, through uh, the pandemic, it was a lifesaver. I mean, they basically, it became their online recess because they couldn't see their friends, but they would put a Zoom call up and they would jump on uh, jump on a server and play with their friends like while they were stuck at home and stuff. So, yeah, um, I've, I mean, I'm opposite. I joined Minecraft because I loved the game and I've mm-hmm. been playing since day one and launch, you know, from launch and stuff. Um, I remember I was working in a different dev separate and uh, no, external dev company at the time and i remember when minecraft came out because uh we were still making a pirate ship at three in the morning and i had to kick everyone out of the dev studio because we had a deliverable <laughs> the next day and I was like you've got to go home because so i knew i knew then that it was something special that you know people would stay after work until three in the morning building a giant pirate ship when you know you've worked on games for a long time i don't know how old how old are your kids uh, i have an 11 and a 13 year old Okay, so was when you got when you start to work on Minecraft, was like what did your kids think when they found out? Like, holy crap, my dad, you work on Minecraft. Like, I imagine maybe sometimes you can't always talk about like you, you know with the games you work on your kids, or maybe they're not interested. But I have to imagine Minecraft opened up some different doors. Well, they're always asking me for secrets, which I can't tell. <laughs> and I'll always be like. What's that toy on your desk? And I'm like, no, don't look at it. Oh, you're not allowed to see this. Fra- um, family, D- family DA, you know, like with the little upcoming resource here. Don't tell your your friends on Discord. But um, uh, no, I mean, I think I don't think they believed me at first, right? Um, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, Dad works on Minecraft. And then one day they came. My 11 year old came running into me. I think she was like nine at the time, and she said, "I've just looked in the credits, and your name is there." <laughs> And I'm just like, well, yeah, I work on it. She's like, no, but your name's in the credits. I'm like, yeah, because I work on it. <laughs> and so I think that became, I don't know if they didn't believe me, but um, I think it became more concrete when they saw my name, like scrolling with all the other names in the credits. That's fun. I mean, I had I had a, something similar. I don't work on Minecraft, but I um, I was doing something for work where I had to in, like embed a video stream that I had done. So I had pulled up twitch on my laptop and a tab and then was like copying the embed code into an article and all of a sudden you know my six-year-old doesn't know the difference between youtube and twitch but she knows what a a video is and sees the webcam in the corner it's like are you famous and i was like what do you "Mm, what do you what do you why why are you just like you're on youtube and i'm like wow (laughs) kiddo that is the kindest thing a person has ever said to me. Um, yes, I guess. You know what? For now, before you know better, your yes, your dad is on YouTube and he is very he is very famous. 
something was really nice once where my uh, 11 year old daughter came home from school and she just hands me like 20 pieces of paper and i'm like what's this and she said oh these are all requests from my classmates <laughs> And basically, I start passing through the pieces of paper, and it's like mobs they want or features they want and stuff. And I had to sort of write back to each of them saying, oh, thank you. You know, like, you know, no promises, but, you know, um, thank you for your uh, feedback. I also, they do these things where uh, you can go, the parents can go into school and teach like special classes. Mm -hmm. They call them electives. And I went to my youngest girl's school, and I taught a two-week um design class on how to make a minecraft mob oh, um, neat. so i so i had like 20 kids and what we did is we cut out lots of like um stickers in square shapes and then we got them to like design their mobs like pixel by pixel oh wow um, you know with like stickers and then i got them to design their their behaviors of the mobs and everything and then they had to present this is my mob and this is what it does and this is the loot it drops and this is the biome it lives in so I think they really enjoyed that. So uh, I think my kids do get some perks from being, <laughs> being, uh, being uh, in the Minecraft team. Have you found, I know that, you know, maybe you're not taking specific feature requests from your kids or that you are or their schoolmates, but I imagine like working on the game and then observing your children play the game creates a slightly different relationship to what you're observing about it than it would be to you know, focus tasks or you're going through other sorts of feedback mechanisms. Like, like, is there something about when you play the game with your children or observe how they play that is then like looped into something you bring back to the studio? Sure. I mean, I, as a, as a, you know, long, long life designer, I don't really play games. I analyze games. I know I, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's like, you can't just enjoy it the way everyone else just like plays a game <laughs> the game is unfortunately maybe not as you know well made as you'd hoped or something then i fall off pretty quick but i absorb the systems but then i know when a game's great when i'm not analyzing it anymore mm. you know i'm like 200 hours into elden ring or something i'm like oh i'm not analyzing this anymore and then <laughs> they're, they're games that i never love but no when my sometimes my um kids are lucky enough to be able to play like uh, previews and um, uh, about six months before release, my daughter got to play Legends in like a we call it like a UR a usability test. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not I don't tell her anything, and she plays, and I just watch her. And then I'm like, oh, things that I thought weren't problems are problems, or things that I thought were going to be problems aren't problems. And so then I'm able to write a report, and I I take it back to the team, and I know a lot of um, people on the team do it with their families and stuff. So yes, I. When a game's released, I tend to just play it with them because it's finished, right? And and it's just fun. But if a game's in development, I'm just standing behind her writing notes. She's like, what are you writing down? I'm like, I'm not <laughs> telling you. I can't tell you. Am I supposed to build this ramp here? I'm not telling you. Just, you, you just Dad, Daddy, help me. You're supposed to. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of the thing of early development. You know, we're there to... We do a lot of that at Microsoft. We do a lot of usability testing. We have amazing labs where these like um, they look like tiny like um, living rooms, and people are sitting there and play. And then there's just cameras on their hands, cameras on the screen, and we just observe what they do. And so we can take key learnings away. So I use my kids as free labor <laughs> for UI tests. When we're allowed to do. When we're allowed to do. Every time I write an article that involves my kids, it's the same way. It's like, oh, thank God, I can just write about the thing I'm already around all day anyway. Um, but 
you know, th- this like fits into uh, a broader reason I was interested in chatting with you, which is like a broader reason I'm interested in Minecraft and the, the place it is as like a, you know, entertainment product is like people who grew up or the people who played Minecraft when it came out, like those could be kids and now they're adults. Um, like it has now been long enough that you can be playing that game for a length of time that you've grown up with it. And we have seen other types of games like Roblox or what have you that essentially like have to figure out, well, what do we do? Do we age up with the audience or are we looking for an, the this, roughly the same audience at, a, at the same age and just refining it for them? So as someone that sort of like has their fingers in a lot of the, the parts of Minecraft, and I imagine Legends is an, ex, is an extension of figuring out how you interact with those different kind of like demographics and age groups. I'm just wondering how you think about that. Like as Minecraft gets older, it's audience gets older, but also lots of the audience is still young and, and how you kind of balance all of those things at once. It's new players coming onto Minecraft. The audience just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I've got a surprising uh, piece of information for you. How old do you think the average Minecraft player is? Oh, usually when people say this, it's older than you think. So I'm going to say, mm, oh, but then where do I want to settle? 24? Whoa, you hit it. Yes. Wow, you did it. That's amazing. Yeah, the average Minecraft player is 24. You know, and all those kids who were in high school are like, I don't play Minecraft. I play something else. When they go home, guess what they're playing? <laughs> like, they're still building their castle that they've been building for five years. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when we were um, building Minecraft Legends and when we're adding a new game to, uh, the, you know, the franchise, um, you know, we think a lot of about approachability. Um, you know, we are building for a, a large audience. Um, and so just in the same way that like Minecraft Dungeons was the Minecraft twist on a dungeon crawler, we wanted to make a Minecraft twist on a strategy game. And so we certainly think about approachability. And that's why the game was designed from scratch to work on consoles. We had to put a lot of thought into the controls. It wasn't made on PC as a strategy game and then ported to six other platforms. It was designed from scratch to work on console. Um, it had to, um, you know, it had to be easy to pick up. And so when you play Legend, you'll, we have a detailed tutorial um, that lasts about, you know, six, seven minutes. But then the first hour of the game keeps introducing new mechanics and new mechanics and so a lot of people might not realize that the first hour of legends is almost like a story driven tutorial and then once you get past a certain point it opens up into this giant strategic sandbox so uh we have to put a lot of thought into how we we call it onboarding how we onboard players with the mechanics it's a little bit more complex than uh you know what we call minecraft classic or vanilla uh, because it's a strategy game and so we had to really be careful about how we introduce each mechanic let people play with it, get used to it, add a new one, add a new one um, to make it approachable. But we also have put a lot of work into different difficulty settings. There's a there's a easy mode that's almost story that a six-year-old is OP and could just go around and love the story and crush everything. Um, and then we've got like uh, the default game mode, which is more for Minecraft players who are new to strategy games. Then we've got harder game modes for, you know, the Xbox players who like, I crush at Apex, like <laughs> I want a hardcore strategy game. And so, uh, you know, we do put a lot of effort into it, but approachability for our audience was a key factor when we were thinking about making Legends. Well, I, and I find that so fascinating specifically because how counter that is to sort of like the base level Minecraft experience as it is, which is a game that just, 
I remember when I tell you anything. I mean, I mean, I I assumed, and I I knew. I remember I downloaded like the Java version, like back when it was first getting popular, and had like played around with it because it was like as a as a reporter, it was like I should probably know what this is, and then left it to people that were smarter and more interested in it than me. But like, it made sense to me at the time with the small team how it was being constructed that it didn't have what we'd call proper like kind of tutorialization and all that. And then when I got around in the last like two years to play with my kid, I was like, time to boot this up. Oh man, Microsoft owns this now. Like what's, what's the experience? And it's like plunk, like I figure it out, I guess, you know? And, and so I think it's like, it's so interesting to see as the extensions of Minecraft kind of go out. It is a little more of, this is what you expect when you start a new game. Whereas I was, I was genuinely, have been genuinely surprised how much of that figure it out, like find your way through it. Not that there haven't been UI improvements, not that there haven't been changes made, but like, I think broadly speaking, it is still pretty, um, like in line with the original, here's a world, start chopping, like, or learn that you can chop. And I, I imagine as someone in, in your position, like are kind of overseeing, almost having to resist that temptation to make things like that a little more, you know, user-friendly from the start. And I've, I've been impressed by the fact that it, it has resisted some of that. I mean, it it really depends on each of the experiences in the, the franchise, right? Because classic Minecraft is a survival game. And that's why it's all about making your own stories and, uh, you know, your own experience with whatever world you get procedurally dropped into like do you start next to abandoned village do you suddenly like on top of a mountain and uh it's partly because you know we want players to have the experience right everybody in minecraft must have had the experience of their first night hiding in a dirt hole (laughs) waiting for the zombies to go away (laughs) and it's all about the day night cycle and learning to survive and so you know if we put too many if we change minecraft and put too many onboarding elements it might ruin that sense of wonder at the beginning and what do i do and the self-discovery of punching a tree and now you can build these things and oh but it's going dark and and so minecraft classic minecraft is its own special thing because it's designed around survival but when you're introducing something like dungeons that's more about co-op you know and working together as a team or something like legends which really you know you know you can play four-player co-op in the whole campaign or of course we've got our new PvP modes. It's just it's just a different experience. And so different experiences require different treatments, right? Depending on the number of mechanics and things. But uh they all feel like part of Minecraft. They're all in the same universe. They have different mythologies. They're all, you know, legends. If you saw a screenshot of legends, you'd certainly know it's a Minecraft game with mm-hmm. the trees and the world and you know, you see redstone in the ground and stuff. You know it's Minecraft. They're just different. You know, and because of that we designed them slightly differently depending on what mechanics we have to teach our players. You know, and it's definitely a property that Microsoft is pretty, and and Mojang are are pretty conservative about. Like, it's not like every other week there's a new extension of Minecraft. Like, it seems like there has to be, there must be a pretty rigorous process to land on, hey, this is an idea we feel good about, fits the brand, is accomplishing a mission in terms of how we want to extend it out. Like, what are like some of the, essentially how does a game like legends then get through that process of resisting? Hey, generally we don't do a ton here. Like we're pretty like, like pretty slow on moving new things out and, and, and making sure our audience isn't, we're not moving too far ahead of them. Like what allowed a game like legends to get the go ahead to like do something pretty fundamentally different, even if it's keeping the same uh, kind of basic aesthetic. 
Yeah, we of course we have uh, lots of prototypes players never see things that we think, oh, this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, like, sure. oh my God, this isn't fun. Um, and then uh, Legends was really born from, there's this original idea that players, uh, sorry, original idea that um, we wanted to create an experience where the player felt like a commander, right? You're on the battlefield, you're a commander. So that's how it started, okay? And then um, there's a sort of mantra to, classic minecraft which is block by block okay the world is built block by block and that's what that game's all about in uh legends we wanted to change it with it being strategy focused and it changed to thought by thought so i'm going to build this wall i'm going to upgrade this tower i'm going to get some upgrades so i can do xyz and so we wanted to change it thought by thought and so we started to make prototypes and sometimes we do this and the idea sounds great in your head, and then you play it, and you're like, oh, this isn't fun. But when we were playing Legends, once you get 50 mobs, golems running behind you as this big crowd and start smashing things up, you're like, okay, we're onto something here. And then we keep developing the systems and stuff. But, I mean, it all comes from the experience. It all comes from wanting to make something new in the franchise and provide our players with something new and different. Okay, like, um, and so that's why we have less releases, but they're more crafted and special, right? Every time a new Minecraft game comes out, something completely different. It's not it's not like, I don't know, a slight twist on Dungeons. I mean, Legends is a completely different experience. So we do take our time. There's a lot of thought, design, a lot of people involved. But we make sure there's some new magic there and something new for our players that, you know, like, for example, with Legends, we have our PvP game, and that's the first ever dedicated PvP mode in a Minecraft game which is really pushing the IP in a new direction. So mm-hmm. we're doing something really fresh and different there. So yeah, it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of things thrown in the trash can. <laughs> and if you've developed games, you know that even when you develop Legends, there was many things we wanted to do. But with the development time, we had to you know, cut some things away and you have to focus and stuff. But yeah, we take our time. We create new experiences and we're always looking to extend the franchise in new and interesting ways. But it's players first you know players come first our community comes first uh the last question i would uh leave you on is um you know i think game titles and sort of uh like development titles can be sort of mysterious and so would it like a principal design director you come in tomorrow i mean obviously today i'm you know i'm a sucker taking up you know 30 minutes of your time but oh no I don't what <laughs> well i'll make sure and tell my kids that um but what like what when you walk in like what is your a typical agenda for someone like yourself that is not necessarily like in charge of design or programming on a specific element of a game but is more broadly overseeing a lot of what's happening like what what do you do day to day in your position it depends it's a great question um so um i'm working on uh a few different projects uh, obviously my key focus is legends and the post-launch content right now uh, we have lost legends coming out every month with these new challenges uh, super fun very different uh which if you completely unlock all these cool customizations so <laughs> to be honest what i do is i first open my email and say what's going on <laughs> is there you know is there any fires is what's going on uh, there's never there's never any fires. but um i'll i interact on a daily basis with the bbit um over in blabber interactive who's a developer of legends and i have meetings with them several meetings every week to talk about design things that we're working on and helping them 
you know, craft the experience for the, the, the future content we're working on. Um, and then there's other projects that I'm working on that I um, pop in at different times of the week at different meetings and stuff. But my main focus is working with BBI and uh, the Legends team. And I have a great working relationship with them. And we jam about ideas for post-launch content and things. So um, basically, yeah, I'm, yeah, I just... It's different every day. Which is one thing I one thing I love, but my main focus is legends, and obviously we've been doing with legends coming out last week. We've been doing a lot of um, uh, listening to the community, listening to what the community is saying, and then taking their feedback and and looking at our future plans and seeing you know how we might have to tweak a few things uh, to fix a few things that we weren't aware of. So lots of analysis right now, lots of listening to the community. I'm always in Discord. Um, Letting, answering people's questions and things and then a lot of work with the developers on making sure that we can make our future updates as best as they possibly can so i, I guess last last question related to that like observing the community is there anything that has surprised you about people playing the game that you know to, to the to, you know to you know you know as you were discussing we're you know like oh we you know we're going to try and tune things in this direction or that direction or include that for or post-launch content if we can make it work is there anything that surprised you about the players so far of what they've done with the game one thing that surprised me is um, obviously when making the PvP game, we just wanted to make it as um, you know approachable as possible, get everyone in the games, have lots of fun. And then a lot of the some of the feedback we've been getting is like, "Why isn't this hardcore ranked?" Like, <laughs> you know, with ranked rankings, I want to know I'm the best in the world. And of course. You know, you would never immediately think of, oh, we're going to make the super hardcore ranked PvP game in Minecraft. But players are enjoying the the PvP game so much that they actually want us to, like, people are like, is this an eSport? And it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't know. Whoa, whoa, slow down. <laughs> but um, no, I've been uh, quite surprised with how um, how serious players want to take the PvP. It's super tons of fun, and I think it's because this because it's procedurally generated, and the games are different every time, and there's so many different um, strategies you can do depending on how you unlock the tech tree. Uh, the team and I joke that we're going to be good at the game for about a week, and then we're just going to get crushed by the community. Um, but um, yeah, I've been surprised at how sort of more serious people want to take the <laughs> PvP, and they're like, "I want to know I'm the best in the world. Where's my ranking?" I'm like, "Okay, I'm quite." quite shocked by that but um that's been really interesting that's too funny well craig i uh, sincerely appreciate the time you come by chat with me chatting with uh, our audience over here at waypoint uh minecraft legends is out now you can as evidenced uh you know get it basically wherever you like a game pops up on this screen like you can probably find it you know it's on playstation Windows, Steam, uh, Switch, Xbox, like where there is Game Pass, where there is a place to play games, you Minecraft Legends will will be there. <laughs> but thanks for your time. Good luck with uh, the the post launch uh, support. And uh, I, you know what? After this, I might be uh, sending those. The, the thing I failed to do in this interview was I meant to ask my kid this morning. And I sent a reminder on my phone for it. it was like, hey, I want to talk to someone that works on Minecraft. Do you have a question for them? And that was going to be my cute opening to the interview. And I failed as a parent and I didn't ask them. Well, so, you know, um, we can talk anytime. Let's talk again. You can ask me other questions. I'm going to get Jessica on the line. She is dialing in from school. Jessica, what do you have to add? Um, yeah, I, you, I might be I might be passing some along in the future. So if, if you hear from me. <laughs> I'm sure the question would be something about what's in the 1.2 update. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Exciting about that. Lots of cool things coming there with camels and chisel bookshelves and 
um, armor trims and archaeology and cherry bloom biomes and stuff, cherry blossom biomes. So lots of cool stuff. But yeah, I'm always happy to talk. Uh, you know, love talking games, love talking to people who've been in the industry like yourself a long time and happy to chat anytime you want about the industry of Minecraft or Legends or anything. So it's been a great pleasure and thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Craig. And we're back. Uh, so one other thing happened last week that we just want to touch on real quick. Uh, Armored Core uh, had a whoa, new whoa, trailer. Let's fucking go! <laughs> and and it's coming this uh, this year. Um, you know, we've known that Armored Core has been in development for a while. I believe it was uh, started development like as as early as 2017. You know, it's had various uh, folks that touched on Bloodborne and Sekiro, like really. It, like by no means like some sort of side project mm-hmm. for for from like putting really smart people who have been at the forefront a lot of the uh projects that a lot of us love have been thinking about what is the next stage of armored core and like i mean th- the thing about from that has always been impressive and uh, you know uh hopefully does not mean they're uh, grinding all of their boys <laughs> into dust is that they keep publishing games at just an incredibly rapid rate with an exceptionally high quality bar. And like Elden Ring wasn't that long ago. They have a huge expansion coming for that, you know, probably not later this year, but probably early next to line up with the the two year anniversary of of Elden Ring. And then, you know, Armored Core 6 uh, is is scheduled for late uh, August, which is making that uh, the next couple of months of games. Like, I mean, there's a lot of it does feel like we've hit a log jam on like things mm-hmm. were happening over COVID and now a bunch of stuff is going to be hitting uh, throughout the year. And that includes Armored Core 6. I just want to appreciate the uh, uh, two years that I was full time uh, as a as a games writer were the two years where fucking everything completely log jammed. I think that's really funny. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, what did you make of Armored Core 6? I don't like what is your relationship to Armored Core, Ren? I don't I don't know that we've actually articulated that on here, but I'm, I might be wrong there. Armored Core is one of those things that I like respect from a, have respected from a distance because I just it the series stopped before I was like into games enough to actually like fall down that rabbit hole. It's and, been like, a decade, right? I feel like I've seen Austin point that out that it's been a full 10 years since the last Armored game. Armored Core 4 for Answer, uh, I believe, uh, was the... No, mm-hmm. Armored Core 5 uh, was the last one. 4 Answer was the last one that people really liked, uh, if I remember correctly. And then 5 was, yeah, uh, a late cycle PS3 game, if I'm remembering correctly. 2012, correct. um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. And um, so, yeah, it was just, like, right at the edge of, like, when I was, like, playing games. And, like, PS3 emulation is still pretty spotty, uh, which means that, like, it's really hard to go back to them uh, unless you're talking about the really early games, which are kind of a different beast because like from my understanding of the series, like it, it does what they have done has changed a lot over the course of like the last few years or that's not last few years over the course of the series. However, I really like Damon X Machina. Uh, and I also love the very, like there is a particular kind of mech combat that I really love, which is, shitty little fly that goes so fast your brain kind of melts uh but also has a fuck off great sword and that to me is like deeply armored core and like that's what this trailer is 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 just like what if you were a little shit and everyone hated your business uh or alternatively <laughs> what if you were kind of a gun tank and i look at a gun tank and i go oh hell yeah they made a gun tank work 
That's great. Uh, maybe this will make me actually like gun tanks. <laughs> Rob, you were watching the trailer as we were taking a break. You had a, um, I would describe it as a moment when we <laughs> were watching the Game Awards, right? Or the yeah. whatever, the, the, where they had the original like CG trailer. And the awakening uh, happened. <laughs> and there was some, 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 yeah, some weapons happened and Rob was uh, potentially opened their eyes to the beauty of, of Armored Core. Are you are you still watching this trailer now? I'm curious. I'm watching someone, Austin's someone, cut. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, um, no, it's like I, I think. Well, especially as someone that has just a sort of more casual relationship with from software games, and yeah. then you know, I'm, I, where do you fall on this as you are as you're watching it? Uh, I mean, it looks it looks incredibly cool. I think you know that thing we watched uh, that night during uh, it was the Game Awards, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, the the footage from the previous games, the sense of scale, like there's things that happen in the series clearly that are things I've not seen other mech series do. Um, and also there is a beautiful like degree of detailed design that I always get very excited about when I see it in sci-fi. Like I love um, like I love when there's a lot of thoughtful tangible design related to sci-fi equipment and weaponry. Like I think Cowboy Bebop is a really good example of this where like every time you get a shot of like someone's cockpit, for instance, everything kind of makes a certain degree of sense. The different ships have different feels about like how the different like levers fit together, like what the the control layout looks like. Uh, Ditto, like everything that you see in these trailers, everything's sort of thought thought about in terms of like, Okay, but how would you deploy a a, a set of submunition <laughs> rockets from from a big rocket? How would that all unfold? Let's let's animate that in exquisite detail. I, I live for that shit. What if uh, instead so of like, missile rack, missile orb? Like this is this is these are these are all great ideas. I, I think the the other thing I'm, I'm I haven't played these though. The thing I'm so curious about is um like if you read as I did. Battletech books, for instance, the battle to be described as, well, I mean, it was more like almost Gundam combat, right? Where it was like these things were graceful, like the best mech pilots had these things dancing and like uh, moving really fluidly. Very few, very few mech games feel that way. Or if they do, it's because they don't feel like you're in a mech at all. Mm-hmm. So they, they, you know, you're just basically in a, you know, a regular like human like avatar, but it's like just skin to look like a mech. And so I'm, I'm really curious that this can kind of bridge that gap where it's like there is a, you know, do the things you pilot in these games feel distinctively like mechanical while also not being as like lumbering and kludgy as uh, like what you find in your typical mech game. So I'll say this, this is historically what the series has been best at. Like, like these mechs can feel balletic uh, with the specific ways that like boosters fire. Uh, and like, Rob, have you ever seen footage of Armored Core 4 multiplayer? Not the multiplayer, no. All right. I mean, I'm going to pull up a clip for Rob real quick. Uh, y'all keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so the, the thing that I, the last time I played Armored Core was on the PlayStation 1, in which it was a series where, because this is pre-analog sticks, I remember distinctly aiming up and aiming down was handled by pressing like R1 and R2, L1. like that. That's how you were handling, like moving around because so many other things were assigned to different buttons. And I the remember King's Fall special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And 
I, I, so what, what I'm so curious about even watching the trailer is someone that really doesn't have any context for modern armored core and even has very vague memories of those original games other than just thinking like mech's cool. They shoot, mm. shoot mech. Um, <laughs> uh, and is there, there are like specific sequences they were showing like, uh, there was a, a mech that has kind of like a spider sort of like, leg structure and that allows it to like shoot in the air and like kind of hover around and taking out these, these enemies in like a really beautiful way. And there's another, that's just got like race treads on it and it's just like zipping through. Mm-hmm. And what I can't parse because this is like lacking UI, it's not showing the game being played how we're going to play it. It's, it's meant to hype up the cinematic qualities of it. And it kind of uh, betrays or doesn't allow a lot of insight into like, okay, but when I'm actually sitting here, like what is going on moment to moment it's like, well, how how are these level designs and enemy encounters compatible with these two different types, like wildly different approaches? Right. And, and I mean that in terms of like mobility. Like, can that one with the tread still jump? Like, how is this allowing them to get through the world? And how do these encounters feel? And like, that's what I'm excited to find out whenever we go to the next stage of this, which is like, all right, like, don't show me the flashy cinematic version of this fight. Like, put that camera behind the mech and, like, let me see what it does. And, like, mm-hmm. that's just the part I can't parse. But I trust the studio th- that, of course, it's going to feel great and be interesting. Yeah. I just am excited to see what does that actually uh, mean. Uh, all right, it looks like we have the, the clip. Yeah, this multiplayer is pretty wild. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous uh, in terms of just, like, a... This is this build this person is using is like notably high action, like high APM. It's extremely, extremely high APM. Um, but so like one thing mm-hmm, that I think people don't uh, often overlook in these games, too, is that turning speed is a huge thing. Uh, yeah. And in in four, they added a boost like you could you could boost turn to like hit a 180 really whip quickly. yourself around a little whip more. yourself yeah. around which is which made the game much quicker than its predecessors uh including like this all the side boosting that you're seeing here that was also i think new in four they had a little bit in three but this is like the the, the kind of difference between like a battle tech like weighs a million tons and like part of the like terror of it is just how enormous they feel versus like I mean, I mean, it's like the thing you see more in mecha anime of like, yeah, speed becomes like this this sort of like, um, uh, not limiting factor. Just like the pilot, the, the the like ace pilot is so good because they can like pull like in insane things out of their machine, sort of thing, and yeah. it's it's always more yeah, it's always more about speed like this, and it's just like the the things that I've noticed, Hawkins. huh? This is also making Miss Hawkins. God, yeah, that was kind of like it, it played in the in like in the in between space there. Yeah, it wasn't quite as quick as this though. Like, and this, no, is, no, I no, mean, no. four is like- four is insanely fast. Um, one thing I did uh, notice in 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 the the new trailer that we got that there was like a gameplay sequence where like there was like a, a quick like 
set of three boosts where someone oh my god um a quick set of three boosts that someone does to get around an enemy and then shotgunning them in the back and you see the camera whip around in a way that's like that looks like a a lock-on like in a traditional souls game where like if you get behind an enemy like an enemy passes you like the the camera whips around for you which is not traditionally how these games and lock-on work so i'm very very curious what has changed about that because a lot of the like Gameplay has to do with getting things in the right, you know, in the right uh, reticle in order for like your lock on to work. Because if they move out of that, then your 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 weapon systems can't you know lock on to them anymore. So what is yeah? <laughs> so like pictures so. of the like AI does has been like messing up people holding up video game controllers, but yeah, yeah. I, I saw people <laughs> noting no, that, but like, we know it's not AI because it's got the right amount of fingers. <laughs> this is so uh armored core and like high level armored like multi armored core multiplayer people have adopted a particular control scheme where they will hold the controller backwards uh and so they're uh basically their palms their, their thumbs are on the triggers uh and then their like index and like middle fingers are on the front of the controller actually pressing the buttons and moving the sticks it looks fucking wild uh, and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> until you see I, I saw a movement guide to this game uh-huh. um, in one of the recommendeds uh, and like some of the things that are being done is like really complex and like very clearly does need something like this but again it's worth noting that this is for like high level like multiplayer and I'm really curious as to like the degree to which this is a game that will I'm I'm interested in if it will keep the fidelity of control, but reducing the speed mm. such that like you still get the ace maneuvers, but it is like th- there seems to be more of a ground game yeah. uh, in AC six from what they've shown so far than a lot of the footage of like AC four and four answer, for example. I mean, um, yeah, if we look at like so like a lot of, like there's a lot of like being just in the fucking air in four from like like I I never ended up actually playing it, but I've watched a lot of videos of other people playing it um it it, you're you're much more mobile in the air than it feels like this game immediately looks like out of the gate there's a lot more like you were saying shots of mechs on the ground and like the specificity of like that one mech having cover mode coming from its legs feels like because this is the other thing about armored court games obviously is that you're it's very highly customizable right like you're you can make all sorts of different builds from like just tons and tons and tons of different arm, body, leg, joints, extra hard points, what I'd like. There's so much customizability in these builds that them kind of pointing out, like, this is the one that can hover makes it feel like hovering is going to be special to that one, right? Like, it'll be, you'll probably be able to get some air with the other ones, but if you want to be like the like death from above type, you have to have those legs that will let you hover. Um, right, like making those the the kind of build specificity come like to the forefront, which is like you know, uh, souls and like how um how different you can make different builds and like Elden Ring, for example, like has really become a part of the, a big part of their games and like making it feel like yes, I'm pulling the most out of this specific type of magic mm-hmm. using or this specific type of uh weaponry, you know, and like they're putting that into the like now. Mech legs, important. Important which mech leg you choose. Speed mech leg? 
feeling like legs have always been important. Te- but, tank, uh, tank mech leg? Yeah, no, for sure. So, always so crucial. But, but like, in, in, uh, I feel like in, <clears throat> in 4, at least, there was a lot of, like, everyone can kind of fly, even if you had, like, the treads. Like, you could you could fly a little less, but you could, like, fly for a while, and it was just kind of, like, slightly different than than what seems to be happening in the in this trailer, at least. So uh, I think we, you know, there's there's more stuff to talk about, but we got another show coming up this week. So let's just take a quick dip in the question bucket before we call it a day here. Remember, for now, you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line questions. We uh, should we should maybe set up a different email. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's fine. It's fine. This is I need to be free of the question bucket. We need to. Oh. We, this is this is the universe healing. You uh, should you should go into that and then and spare reverse. Ourselves. Go into that that little inbox and click reverse sort, sort reverse sort. And we should start working from the bottom up. <laughs> uh, so we got a lot of emails uh, that were basically on long, along the lines of Kato, don't eat that. Uh, what? So, so oh, Dan writes a waypoint. Probably not the only listener with food safety training listening in horror to the recent burrito event. Rice is covered in poisonous, heat-resistant bacteria that absolutely do not get killed by cooking them. Instead, they just go into a dormant state and can safely pass through you when cooked and served immediately. If rice is allowed to cool slowly, say, hanging on a door handle for three hours, the bacteria wake back up and breed like crazy in the warm, moist environment of a burrito, leading to food poisoning. This was about all I learned on this food safety course, besides the instructor's own weird conspiracy theories about margarine. Can't believe I had to pay for that training out of my hourly pay as an independent contractor for a catering company with zero actually employed catering staff. Uh, Assuming Kato survived this roll of the dice, are they still playing Marvel Snap and what are their thoughts on it? So (laughs) I... I don't know this rice thing. I don't. Is it is real? It, is this real? I don't know. I, well, I was that's like, real. I feel, I've, I've had cold rice. Like I've eaten rice my whole life. Never yeah, has there ever been any problem with eating rice that had cooled down. Like that does. Is that's, it, is also, this like, also don't eat the source. Dough, but like, come on, like you're the, fine. The source had conspiracy theories about margarine. I don't know. Right, if that's like, not, what if it was like, an extra? Was an extra bullshit? Like. Uh, food safety like yeah you have to write in like like is this rice thing real because we do know that like was kind of following best practices no yeah, i mean but like Kato's not serving that to other people like no. Kato wasn't like i'm putting this in my restaurant Kato was like running a a risk for themselves are you supposed and, to eat pizza that's been sitting in a cardboard box overnight probably right. not no. but like, have i done it I'm all gonna. the time yes. absolutely yes. yeah <laughs> Uh, and like, though I will and say, Kato especially is like, is like, you know, Kato and, uh, you know, their, their wife, I think are very strong because we do know for a fact yeah. that Kato like will take leftovers in their backpack, 100%. like 10, 12 hours. Um, yeah. and it'll be like, Kato, that, that was, th- that food was from hours and hours and hours ago. And Kato's like, my wife will eat it. Yeah. It I think fine. there is a, um, so <laughs> my wife works in food and like is mm. is like very familiar with like a lot of the food safety stuff and i have found it has caused a disappointing rift between the two of us where <laughs> i think there is a danger in knowing too much yeah. in which like this rice thing i think could be true mm. but it's one of those like come on like yeah like yeah i get what you're saying but like i got acids in my stomach they'll figure it out like it's a risk tolerance thing he said and the acids. more you <laughs> 
<laughs> the more, the more you know about what's actually happening on the food, I think it's one of those things where you just can't not see it. Sure. But you're fine. Like within a, like a normal like risk tolerance, like you're, you're just as like you'll be OK. But then, sure, I think there is a cursed knowledge <laughs> aspect to it. Absolutely. I'm sure those bacteria are just hanging out with my gut bacteria and they're becoming yeah, friends. I mean, it's great. It's Cloud, I was just, just wondering, uh-huh. how often do you get food poisoning? Never. I'm never fucking sick. I've never, I, I cannot remember the last time I threw up. See, Kato's digestive tract just forged in the fires of hell. <laughs> yeah. Like This, this is, is probably we can't actually, part of it. If we teach Kato good food safety uh, practices, they will, they will be sick. They will. This is how we, we hurt Kato by doing that, because mm-hmm. this is their natural environment. This is how they live. And we can't we can't like tell them don't eat the uh, aged burrito because this is how Kato stays invincible. Uh, Kato, did you enjoy the Shuri meta in uh, in Marvel Snap? No, there was a certain point where I just I, I, I fell off hard. Just like I had it was, you know, it was fun. But then. It required. It really does require just like check in every day, and that's not me. Yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> like not, my brain don't work that way. <laughs> like for yep. uh, for like a, a brief period, it can. But we hit that wall of like, and it's no longer my you know <laughs> special interest this week. My fucking fo- my my the my uh, hyper focus has shifted lanes, and so I fell off pretty hard. Just like haven't played it in a long time now. And it wasn't like so I was got- driven off as much as like, uh, it was just like I feel you like I've seen it things. all. Yeah, I feel. I yeah. feel like yeah. yes, I understand that they'll add new cards and that might be interesting. And maybe if I go back in a couple months, I'll be like, oh, there's some new cards that have changed a few things. Um, but like just keeping up with it didn't feel like that engaging. Uh, so we got a lot of emails, obviously very kind emails about the news regarding Waypoint and our future or lack thereof uh, at, at Vice. Uh, all of it very appreciated. Uh, one thing I'll also say is there are a lot of folks who are like, you know, kind of awkwardly apologizing for you guys mean a lot to me. I know that's like kind of parasocially weird, but like, don't worry about it. We we all listen to podcasts. We all forge those relationships. We get it. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate the mindfulness, but like it means the world that we mean a lot to our audience. It's, it's okay um, to tell people. I've always told people this is like whatever. I can't speak to people who are much larger than us, but like, as I've gone through a journey of like, you know, uh, this career, like I have always appreciated when people tell me they like what I do. And I always try to pay that forward as well. And like tell folks that whose work I care about that. I think it's cool what they do. And I I'm with you. I understand why people like, caveat they're like parasocial yada yada it's like it's okay it's okay to just say i appreciate the work that you do especially when people are in uh you know a weird moment like we are in and like i read every single one of those like i've had time to go through my dms this weekend and like read and tried to respond to as many as i could um because it it does like when you're in this spot where we don't really know what the future is bringing and things feel weird like it is cool to be reminded that people like your stuff and sometimes you take that for granted and it's cool when people spell it out and say it uh yeah i also like it meant a lot the people responding to the twitter thread i I couldn't handle answering all of it during the weekend i got a lot of messages i've got to hit people back on but it was uh it meant a lot to 
see what waypoint meant to a lot of folks uh but like out of that bucket some people did have questions one of them came from kyle from brooklyn hi all i'm so sad and devastated here about the end of waypoint my question is do you know if the podcast feed will survive into the future will you still be able to go back and listen to the hundreds of episodes or will it disappear at some point should we download as many as we can locally thank you to all current and past waypointers y'all brought so much joy insight humor entertainment to my life for over six years now I can't believe it's ending, but know that your incredible work has been uh, know that all your incredible work has been so deeply appreciated and changed so many lives for the better. Your hard work was always noticed, always appreciated and will be deeply missed. Waypoint forever. FCGH. Peace. Kyle from Brooklyn. Kyle, uh, there is an archival effort happening on the Waypoint Discord that regardless of what happens, the feed or how long like uh, Vice, you know, keeps uh, hosting a lot of stuff that we we've done over the years. The uh, waypoint community is currently trying to back up everything effectively that we've, we we've done. Uh, and so if you're on the discord, you know, you can sort of look into the effort. There's a dedicated channel for people uh, working on that project. But I think my, my short answer is I would not worry too much about like anything from waypoint being like well and truly lost because I suspect like, in the community, a lot of it's going to get scooped up and backed up somewhere. Um, so I think if, you know, even if uh, we can't get a, you know, get work out an arrangement where we were able to sort of, you know, pay to have the stuff hosted till, till the end of the universe uh, and, and Vice lets us do that, even if we can't work something like that out, I suspect it will be one of those things where you can go into the Waypoint community and ask, like, does anyone have X? And you will get a zip folder with a bunch of good shit. Uh, so I, I I would not sweat it. I don't think you need to. If you want to help the archiving effort, go. I, I encourage you to go to Discord. Like you know, talk to the people in that channel. Uh, I, my suspicion is they they're on it, and you don't have to back up all this stuff locally uh, yourself. You don't need to. You don't need to worry about it. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, one, one thing that's worth noting because I get confused on what we've said on a stream and what we said in a podcast, but like we will. There's not a ton of stuff like broadly it's manhunting, but because uh, I think mm. we uh, over the years we've brought stuff that was behind Waypoint Plus into the main feed around the holidays. But by the end of this run, we will push the things that have been on Plus into the main feed. So like we'll 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 get kind of like everything available and and most things that we publish for the rest of this month will happen on on the main feed. Other than maybe like a uh, like a final goodbye to to the to the Plus folks um, as we figure out what's going on there, but. Um, like, yeah, so like that'll give you I know some people say like, do I need to sign up to get access to that stuff before it disappears? And it's like, yeah, like Rob said, we can't speak to the future of like what happens two years from now. But like there's no big axe coming to purge all the, the content. And so if we get everything on the main feed without knowing fully well what's happening after June 2nd, that will at least allow you the opportunity to check all that stuff out. And we'll close it out on uh, a real Kobayashi Maru of human oh, interaction great. here. Uh, Jacob writes, DearGamingAdvice.com, I have a question about social etiquette that I'm sure you'll have no idea how to answer. I present to you a scenario. You're waiting for public transport to work at the okay. stop as a colleague. You don't know them very well. Hell, you don't work in the same department, but perhaps you had a nice conversation in line for coffee yesterday. Do you start a conversation and sit with them, or do you smile and wave politely and continue listening to your podcasts? I'm forever not sure how to manage these scenarios, as half the time I would like to be left alone in the morning, especially if there's potential for awkward conversations. 
but I don't want to be rude. And also maybe I could make a new friend. So yeah. Uh, here's, here's my strat. Here's my strat. Here's my strap. I have headphones on in this situation. I'm listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. I take one headphone off, do like a little wave or like a, or like a peace sign, a nod, something to be like, I acknowledge your presence here. You can see that I have one headphone off. If you want to approach me and make this a conversation, you can. Otherwise, in, in three minutes, if you decide not to take this path, headphone back on, done, easy, kid shit. <laughs> I, I usually that I do a similar sort of thing, but I will take like the headphones fully off and like like put them away, like sit for a minute or two, and like pull out my phone instead or something where like like I'm a little more approachable, um, and then see if like a that's window... your equivalent of like putting a little exclamation point over your head. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> it's like like I can get back to that podcast when like I get like the, the opportunity for me to put that back on is when I get on the tr- like the train or the bus or whatever it is. But like for the last like for the next five minutes that this like social sphere exists i'll at least like make myself available for that interaction if that person is is looking for it yeah i'm much more of a i also tend to not quite know because like i think for me the real problem is it is the like will i seem like i am brushing this person off if i don't like engage in some way and i'm not like fostering the friendly conversation that like we struck up the other day but at the same time, like, I don't want to seem like I am intruding, uh, you know, in 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 their day. So it's like I like for me, it's, it's for me. The annoying thing is I would much rather you weren't here. Like, that's the ultimate <laughs> thing. It's like, I really wish that like I was taking a different train or like that, like uh, we were sitting at different angles in the mm-hmm. same coffee shop. So we didn't like notice each other. But here we are. Uh, so my solution, it's not it's not perfect. I'm not sure it's actually as per, I'm not sure it's very personable. Uh, I will tend to like give sort of like the nod of acknowledgement and then I will go about my business. Uh, and, you know, if yeah, I, I will risk being seen as standoffish because God knows I always have been. So, <laughs> you know, it is nothing new. I think it's like definitely a not like strong acknowledgement of other person. Right. And see if they're throwing any like if they're going to take their headphones off, then I will follow suit. But otherwise, I will assume that they're OK with me just being like, hey, how's it going? Like, nice to see you. OK. And we're and we're done. <laughs> but like I, I tend to not be the person even like uh, making that first move of being like, I'm going to start a conversation anyways, just in general. So. I'm I'm also um got real bad peripheral vision. Straight up I will like not see someone at the same bus stop at times. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, I I think I think Ren and Ren and Patrick have the best solutions for this. <laughs> yes. uh, and then I think the rest of us muddle through as best <laughs> and as poorly as we can. That is a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint I mean, so did we. Uh, you can follow me at Rob Zachney on Twitter. Uh, Kato, where can people follow you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Patrick. Uh, at Patrick Klepek. And I would at least uh, point people towards. I've come up on, with an angle for this substack that I've uh, kind of pointed people towards for a while. So if you go to patrickklepek.substack.com, I've got 
an idea for something that might be fun to do uh, on there that uh, it may not be launching like imminently, but if you're interested um, uh, specifically about like parenting and video games and the cross section of that stuff, I would, I would point you in that direction. Uh, you can also check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com. Uh, what might turn out to be the last freelance piece I'm going to work on is uh, why there's no room for suburbs and open world games. Uh, Ade Adeniji uh, talked to a number of academics and game designers about how how and why games like perfectly splice out uh, the suburbs from like open world like depiction um, and and why there's actually functional reasons to do that. Uh, if you'd like to push back against men denying women a platform on a podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're still here. Uh, and thanks to Waypoint Plus, we've been able to have a bunch of fun. Well, I'm not sure they've been fun lately. They were nice. Uh, for instance, Kato, Kato had us talking to Ghost Kato for, for a long while uh, during during a Dirty Boy stream. And uh, you know, it just—it was just a reminder usually, of usually the dirty the, boys the special je ne sais quoi of a of a waypoint of a waypoint stream. I had I got to make a fun Chiron for that, just to let everyone know that I wasn't talking. If only we had, if only if only we had known early earlier uh, the the people the the when you were talking, uh, nobody nobody could hear you. Uh, and hey, for our waypoint plus listeners. I'm not sure I can handle Arrival this week. Maybe we'll watch Arrival next week. Mm-hmm. I think sure, we can watch Arrival. Sad next to watch week. Arrival. Have you watched Have Arrival? You, no, I no. don't think she has. <laughs> no, I've okay. never watched Arrival. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I think Arrival is a next week. You know, I think Arrival is a later thing. My mental health is implacable. We'll see about this. <laughs> that's, that, you know, that's what everyone is always saying about Ren. Uh, you know, her mental health implacable. Uh, if that sounds good or you want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com for a while. <laughs> you can get access to our premium feed, but we're probably putting that up on the main feed. You're out, mm-hmm. you know, you've helped support Waypoint and everything we do here. Yeah. And if Dead. you want to support and you want Dead. to show not just support, but zeal, go to waypointgeneralstore.com and buy some of our fine Waypoint merch, but it's not how it's it's not Waypoint General Store how you think. Waypoint General? G- how do you how do you G- pronounce G- Waypoint General? <laughs> General with a J. 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 Yeah, Waypoint General with a J. Store. Waypoint General Store. And it up. Wrong it's still the wrong letter, even in Spanish. And now it's even the wrong letter in English. Uh we since our recording have retained or not retained regained rather the um domain name waypointgeneralstore.com spelled correctly so y'all can just go to waypointgeneralstore.com with a g <laughs> yeah and that promo code is uh, fcgh fcgh some money off uh an amount little, of money uh, off <laughs> an am- yeah an amount of money off Ma- get yourself a little mappy cup little little mappy cup, little cup excellent Aww. Little mappy. It's a, it's it is just a cup with a map, right? It's not like a sippy cup with a map. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a mug. It's a cup. regular sippy mug. Cup. That'd be amazing. Oh my god, that's like a, a wait, that's a mug. Yeah. Why are we selling sippy mugs? Wait, sippy that is an untapped market. I was about to say. Now that's a business model that'll produce infinite unsustainable growth. <laughs> 
Hang on. We know you're firing us, but sit down for this PowerPoint Let real us cook. quick. Let us cook. Can, can, can we switch to product dev <laughs> underneath Vice? We'll be great at it. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. For now, we are calling time on this week. We will talk to you again on Friday. Till then, well, at least now we know who the Tears of the Kingdom are for. I'm looking forward. Right, you have oh, to do this outro cool. for every podcast that we do the rest of Hell yeah. this, like this time. I need you to just do this exercise every time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go. <sighs> Beautiful. But when I'm ad living, I forget people. <laughs> it's okay. No, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. But anyway, Hyrule's crying for Waypoint. That's mm-hmm. that's canon now. That's why I call it Hyrule. Going to time.is. Okay. I'm strolling to time.is. Just jaunting well, over there. Well, I'm, I'm meandering. Are you, are you in its vicinity yet? Are oh, you I'm, I'm, I've been here. I, Rob, I oh, joined I me. Oh, I thought you were. Okay. Uh, I, will, I will also stroll up to time.is, and together we will clap at 40 seconds. The quick jump. When does a jaunt become a stroll? Ooh. Or is it the other way around? I'm not, so I'm not sure it's a scale thing, though. I think oh, a stroll a is so leisurely. A yeah. stroll a is so, issue. like, yeah. whereas a jaunt is, like, how you trick people into going on an errand with you. Oh, it's just a quick <laughs> jaunt to the store. Oh, you mean the, the Rob Zachney method? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a quick jaunt over the neighborhood. Over <laughs> yeah, there. yeah. It's a 25 Rob calls it a jaunt. No, no, no. It's a short walk yeah. in that mm-hmm. case. It's, it's a just short walk. One or two squares. But a jaunt, I think, is, is like, has an <laughs> instrumental objective. If if you pull up the civic plan of the of of Brooklyn, you'll see that technically this building is still within the neighborhood line of the district exactly. of Williamsburg. <laughs> it's not Queens yet. Yet. Now we might go under two high over one highway and under another, but I assure you, uh, we're still right in the neighborhood where we started. Uh, all right, let me pull up. Wait, is Rob a little bit crisp? I think I think he's okay. Okay, I might I might have you boosted from our. Yes, I do. That was that's okay. on me. I had you boosted from our call um, the other day. No problem. I was uh, on my laptop. Right. Base boosted.